0: Valverde I'm the tower of power Too sweet to be sour I'm funky like a monkey Sky's the limit And space is the place
1: This is show 214, and as usual, we're going to be dropping the goo, giving you the fantasy football knowledge. We have one game left in this great season of ours, and we've got a special one here for you today. We've got Mr. Pyromaniac Mo in the mix, all the way from Grand Rapids, Lansing, Michigan, wherever the hell you want to say he's from. Uh, we're excited. You know, he does the Pyro Podcast Light for us and has come in and bounced and been on a few of these uh, heavy shows in the past. But we've never had him sitting here with us while recording, and we're excited for that. As usual, to my left, I've got Houdini. Across the way, I've got Stag Party. Dogmatica is out and about. I am D Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. And uh, it's exciting. We've got. We're recording here on Saturday, and we've got a week off. It's been the first week off of football in 20-ish. No, more than that, considering preseason. Yeah. It's been like 25, 26 weeks of, of non just call it a
2: half year. Half year.
1: <laughs> Seriously, dude, that's pretty crazy. It's been a long time. So, we've got the little break before that uh, good old Super Bowl 50, which we hit next uh, week in... Um, It's a pretty friggin' good game. We're not going to discuss that on this show. We're going to do that next podcast, which we'll record on Wednesday. Today, we're going to be going through and talking about the championship conference games. A couple of, uh, well, I guess one good game and one drubbing. Uh, Then uh, we're going to talk about some cool stuff and some more off-season things to be considering strategy-wise. We're going to be going through our drafts that we did back in August and early September, and analyzing uh, some of the great moments, some of the poor moments, and just trying to pinpoint some, uh, some interesting uh, information that came out of each of our drafts, uh, which are obviously different leagues, different scoring formats and whatnot, and uh, we're excited to talk about that, just to show you, obviously the draft's very important, it's an important cog in the wheel, but... It's not everything. We all just said in our uh, when we were talking before the show, it's amazing I came in second place and with this draft. It's amazing I won it all with this draft. You know, And it's true. You look at your drafts every year and you're just like, holy crap, that's a terrible draft. Uh, so you'll think the same thing next year. But uh, what's going on, guys? It's good to be here on a Saturday, uh, I'll say. On a warm Saturday in Chicago. Warm Saturday. Yeah. We got, we got stag parties, throwing back some Val Verdes. We're usually recording during the week, and the guy doesn't like to be hung over on a, on a Tuesday or Wednesday morning. So I mean, I much. like to
2: be over. I just, you can't lose weight and drink at the same time. Those things just don't go together. <laughs> I, I, you normally like
3: to do your podcast hopped up on Monster.
2: You, I don't, mean, you don't say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mo, my man, good to have you here, dude. You, uh, you drove in today, and uh, we're doing our... Little Camp David, which is kind of our business meeting retreat for two days, and uh, we just decided in the middle of the week that you know, why not? We got Mo there, let's let's record a podcast. So, welcome to Chicago, my friend.
4: Yeah, it's good to be on this side of the pond, as it were, on the other side of Lake Michigan. Although uh, I left home, and so rarely with my kids and my wife do I ever get the house to myself. So, last night. The wife was working. The kids were at grandma and grandpa's house. So it was pretty much like Tom Cruise' Risky Business, except you know, no hookers and no party. Other than that, exactly the same. Tidy so dance around
1: everywhere. Yeah, you know, tidy and, white, it. Tidy and pink button-downs that come across the the, uh, the
3: linoleum floor. Did a guy from Stanford come and try to get you to uh, t- uh, to interview to go to school there?
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's I guess it's, it's you, boy. Throw some joke, hacker, and enjoy it myself, but. Uh, uh, looking forward to being here. This is cool. Nice to be uh, doing this face to face versus over the internet. So, uh, this is cool. I'm, an, I'm enjoying myself and looking forward to a good show.
1: Good. We're going to have fun. Actually, uh, to talk about risky business action, uh, Daisy, uh, when I take her on a walk, one of the area dogs, uh, his name is Guido, named after <laughs> Guido, the killer pimp. And actually, his owner is a smoke show. Uh, <laughs> and I'm always just like, hey, what's going on? And Guido kind of Bites a daisy and is kind of a jerk to her, uh, but it's just hilarious. And like, she's like, "Hey, it's Guido." I'm like, "Guido, the killer pimp." She's like, "Yep." I'm like, oh, "I want to pork you." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope her husband don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> anyway, shit
2: happens.
0: <laughs> Should we get into?
1: You laid your
2: hands on
0: Elizabeth. <laughs>
1: I can't wait for these audio clips This is going to be a good one Well should we get into the first game That took place uh, last Sunday uh, With the New England Patriots uh, Showing up over at uh, Denver
2: But did they? (laughs) But did they though? Not really (laughs) Did they really show up? I mean we knew this was going to be a pass Happy offense They just abandoned the run game completely Went with that college spread out style Toss it all around It just didn't work Uh, A lot of plays ended with, you know, Chris Harris covering Gronk. You know, Aqib Tlaib on Gronk. And he still ended up with a huge fantasy day. What, eight catches, 144 yards, and a touchdown? And that touchdown, how he didn't get a foot out and come back in is ridiculous to me. Ridiculous. Like, and then the fact that on the game-tying play, they don't look to Gronk. They look to Edelman. You know, you've got one of the best end zone-producing tight ends or one of the best end zone producing players in the history of football. And he runs a corner out and has a step on his man. He had and the a couple fa- steps. And the fact that you don't look at this guy and you try to throw it to a five 5'11", uh, second best Jewish player in the history of the NFL. Is he really of- <laughs> Jewish? Yeah, come on! Oh, All right,
3: <laughs> I for the tribe. I, I, did know
2: not
1: the know
3: this. Yes. I did not know
2: this. Yes, I can confirm this. You. Wow! How have we never talked about this before? I,
1: I'm shocked. <laughs> you know, just add it to that. Add it to the page two of the great Jewish athlete book. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's not a book; it's a pamphlet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, a
3: trifold. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've moved up from a one fold to a trifold. I'll <laughs> take oh, it. He's got the inside
2: cover. <laughs>
4: God bless it. Amen. Hey, look, I'm. I thought one of the big stories of the game was uh, Wade, son of a bum, Phillips. uh, He did a masterful (laughs) job on defense and uh, blitzed less than he has all season. And they just didn't need it. Rushing three guys, Brady was completely flustered. Um, I saw several different stats, but anywhere between 20. I saw 23 hits on Brady, 25 hits on Brady, uh, which was just amazing. He schemed uh, wonderfully. Uh, for their defense, and Brady was flustered, and I think Wild Bill was flustered. I thought that was one of the key points to uh, Denver's victory there.
3: Yeah, Wade was awesome. And, you know, this is a guy who was out of football after last year, and then yeah. gets uh, you know, rehired by Kubiak to come in and, and do what Wade Phillips has always done best— Coach defense
1: Yeah Uh, Great job And and he's got He's got a nice Little defense To do it with I was reading uh, A a report that had uh, Von Miller saying Yeah in a couple Of sack plays He was trying to Rub his balls Up against uh, Tom Brady's Face mask (laughs) (laughs) nuts
2: So a, a couple Things was interesting On the weekend Uh Basically, Tom Brady had the slowest release time on average of any quarterback this last weekend, and that's usually never the case. These NFL next gen stats that they're putting out there are ridiculous. You should you guys should look into them. You know, they've got average time of, of release, you know, average time it takes to get to the quarterback, uh, you know, max max miles per hour with pads on. Because all, all we've ever seen is these underwear Olympic fucking stats, and they don't mean a goddamn thing when, once the shoulder pads get put on. But when you see Marteus Bryant running upwards of 22 miles an hour, you're like, oh my god, that guy is fast.
1: <laughs> where do you see, before you go on, where do you see uh, these next-gen stats? If you just go
2: on NFL, or if you just uh, go to the Google machine, type in NFL next-gen stats, they've got a, a great array of stuff. And that's so,
1: NFL.com is providing NFL
2: Yeah, NFL.com us? is providing it. It's all great stuff. But yeah, Von Miller got to Tom Brady an average of 2.5 seconds. Tom Brady's average release time on the day was 2.31. And they say, you know, a rusher's not supposed to be able to get there. You know, he's got three seconds to get rid of the ball. Tom did that, and they still got a ton of pressure on him.
3: Well, didn't they? The, there was a quote, though, from Von Miller before the game. Was there saying, you know, Brady normally gets rid of the ball around two seconds. He goes,
0: uh, all I,
4: I need is one. All I need is one. <laughs> <laughs> he is a machine, dude. Yeah, free agent, too. Well, just Two and, and the, a half sacks for him in that game. Just uh, with the next-gen stats, not from this game, but a cool one I saw. You saw, you said Martavis Bryant, 22 miles an hour. In uh, the Green Bay game, when Lacey had the long run, he was clocked. He didn't even get to 17 miles an hour, which speaks to his conditioning and, you know, his gut. We'll
1: we'll be talking about Lacey quite
4: a bit, I think,
1: (laughs) later when we get into the draft portion. Every draft, I'm looking at either one, first or second. Oh, my God. Third in mine.
2: The funny story with Lacey is the guy who invented P90X. Now since he's whipping his ass into shape, if he needs it,
1: <laughs> he needs it. Coach McCarthy came out and he said that fat fuck has got to start working out. He's gonna to have to. Do it. And the pictures, I mean, you see the pictures. It is. It's like me when I started this company to now. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's got to stay off of the seafood diet. Is that is that his thing? Yeah, he sees food and eats it. <laughs> Oh,
4: God. On the championship game, though, uh, or the two games, there was only five players that had uh, 100 yards, not counting quarterbacks. Uh, David Johnson, C.J. Anderson, neither of them rushed for 100, but all-purpose yards, 100 yards. Gronk and Olsen, of course, only one wide receiver to go for over 100 yards, and that was my Pabst pick of the week. All right, Daisy. That was my Pabst pick of the week, Corey Brown. Uh, so only five guys, one wide receiver to go for over 100 yards, which I thought was interesting considering the four teams that played.
2: I mean, there were some elite defenses out there. I mean, they were all True. ranked in the top ten, uh, no matter which way you slice it, New England being the worst, right? Right at the custom top ten. They're still pretty good. I mean, imagine the difference, you know, if they still had that salary to keep Darrell Revis around, to keep... To keep other guys like that. But Malcolm Butler played his ass off, and, you know, Demarius Thomas wasn't great, and Emmanuel no, Sanders wasn't catches, great. I
5: think.
3: Two two for 12 on seven targets for Demarius.
2: And that's after being shut down for what, one catch for 30 yards on 13 targets the first time they played?
1: Yeah, let's be honest, he had a terrible close of the season. Going in for a guy that was, a, a, you know, a second round maybe even a late first-rounder in many drafts last year. And with the love affair that everyone's got with wide receivers going into drafts next year, he really, really came in uh, going downhill towards the end of the season, just not paying off. Well, when you're looking at it, too, like you talk about
3: the stats for the Denver players, for the team that won, when you got, you got you know, Emmanuel Sanders led your way with eight catches for 62 yards. Then you had uh, receiving-wise Owen Daniels with the two touchdowns, but those were his only two catches for 33 uh, you had Jordan Norwood two for sixteen, uh, Andre Caldwell one for fifteen, Cody Latimer one for thirteen, uh, Demaryius Thomas two for twelve. Just garbage. Yeah, it was just garbage. It was this was all about the defense. That's it why it's all about Wade Phillips.
2: And, and we're when we're talking about you know oh Daniels and his two touchdowns. His max speed was fifteen point four six miles per <laughs> hour. Remember that scamper by Manning, fifteen point three eight. So, Owen Daniels is literally on his last legs if you're not much faster than Peyton Manning. That was also one of
3: my favorite things, when Peyton Manning did that run, and then they showed the clip of the the defensive guys on the side, they go, "Just see him run? Oh, my God.
2: Ridiculous.
4: He knows it's, you know, he said after the game uh, to Belichick, you know, it's probably my last rodeo, or most likely my last rodeo, something to that effect, you know. He's bringing his kids up on the podium to speak after the game. I mean, I think he's giving it his all, leaving it on the field, and he knows this is hopefully it. I don't want to see him, you know... It's it. Who Here's who, what it I mean, it's gotta stay be. It on too long. Here's what it is. Pukamenia dead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I think the Panthers, I will foreshadow, they
1: will crush Peyton Manning in this in this next we'll talk about that on Wednesday but no but I I, I think it's 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 that defense is ridiculous so I, who knows but yeah, I I, I, I feel like Cam's, Cam's I, a defense buster
2: I, I never say anybody's you know when good defenses are involved you never know true I never say something's going to get gangbusters but I'm excited to watch this one yeah well and I know we're not talking about it too
4: much so that'll be for the next one but uh, line opened I think at forty five and it stayed there. And right now, the public is all over Carolina and...
1: Like all over.
4: All over. Like 80%. 80%, 90% of bets have been on Carolina. The Sharps are all over Denver. And right now, uh, Denver is getting 5.5. It opened at 3.5. And what was curious is I was listening to one of the sports book sites that there's more actual bets placed on Carolina, but far more money on Denver. Which suggests that the public, who play, who bet smaller, yeah. is all over Carolina, but the sharps, the guys who know what they're doing, are betting big. the
2: as of Friday it was up to six and a half. Wow. So it swung swung back a little bit here in the last couple. They of got days. some bets in on them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which it, site,
1: if, by the way, which site do you like to use for that? Because I know you're.
4: I use covers. I I use a couple, but I think covers uh, covers.com is a real good one. And then they always like have the
1: different, uh, the different Vegas spots, right? Like the different casinos. and they, t- they give
4: Covers.com comes up with their own. Okay. Um, there is another one that I often go to. I forget what it is offhand, but you can see about eight different of the yeah. Vegas sites and see how they're um, differing, the, the different casinos. But Covers.com is a good one just because you can get into odds and scores and props and they give you all kinds of extra information that's cool. Now here's food for
1: thought. You know, one of the bits of news that came out this week, Davis and the Raiders are looking and talking to Sheldon, uh, yeah. that putz that owns, uh, which place? He owns he the Sands. He owns uh, Palagio, a place I stayed. Uh, he basically almost single-handedly funds the Republican Sheldon Party. Sheldon Atkinson, uh, I think is his name? Something or? Sheldon. Yeah. Uh, but he's trying to get a new stadium for UNLV. And 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 then trying yeah and then trying to uh, also bring the Raiders to Las Vegas, which if that happens now the NFL has always been anti 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 Vegas for obvious reasons, but. Who knows, you know, they, they're saying That, you, that you, gotta, you gotta go to where They can't kind of be uh, They can't go back and say, where go get your great stadium You gotta do what's best for you and your team And then all of a sudden it's like I got a great stadium in Vegas And then all of a sudden all the owners are gonna be like, no So what happens, uh, you know, just as a discussion here What happens, you say whatever you will but What happens with gambling if so be it. It's the Las
3: Vegas Raiders. Well, it's weird how this is football. Is it is it any surprise that it would be the Raiders who are the team that would be potentially going to Vegas? But I think the other interesting news that's coming out in correlation with this is that San Diego is not going to go to L.A. next year. They're going to stay in San Diego.
1: For one year. For, for one year, one year but their time.
3: they yeah. also are renegotiating because they want... The,
2: the owner said, I would
3: I would like to stay in San Diego if we can get a, a deal done. So that's now, just
2: so we can keep season ticket holders for one season. Well, that That's fucking be, but at posturing the same time, like a motherfucker. Well, could, like, I've got, <laughs> like, if I need to make sales next season, I know how I make sales. I say I'm negotiating in good faith. I'm definitely not. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I think
3: that the fact that they got the the bump first to be on with the Rams, that now they're able to, now they have leverage when they're going back because you're going to lose us if you don't do something for us. So now that they get the thing done, and then you get the Raiders who are going, oh, we're going to go to Vegas, and then it's going to be, okay, we're going to keep the Chargers in San Diego, Raiders, go to L.A. with the Rams, let's revisit 1982 all over again, and uh, enjoy the Coliseum, boys. But...
2: Th- yeah. The Chargers do not want the Raiders in, you know, Los Angeles. That's what it is. It's another team in their almost direct market. So, the Chargers are better off going to Los Angeles than letting another team like the Raiders go there. For sure. I mean, there's a lot of posturing going on here between all these guys, and when it was the Chargers and the Raiders, you know, going in on the stadium, you know, although one would have to switch conferences you know, it didn't matter. But if they were in it together, it was better than suddenly then they dropped this NFL kingdom on, you know, Los Angeles that happened in Carson. So but there's a lot of different like political things going on there and then just these sorta of small animosities and infighting you could sort of see just over the market because that's gonna be if you know San Diego does decide to say I mean you got to think Oakland's leaving and their first option's going to be LA. And then that's three teams in the Southern California area all battling for fans and it's not like the Chargers are out there going gangbusters every game already.
1: It's not think about it. Southern California probably a ton of people that love football, not going to, you know, stereotype a whole a whole region but I could also see a lot of people that aren't you know that are either base. there's a lot of baseball teams yeah. there. There's a lot of stuff you can do outdoors. There's a lot of active lifestyle type stuff that you can do. It doesn't seem to me that LA is a great market. It's obviously a huge market for for people and just a as a, as a, as a sheer number of people living in the area but three teams down there, it's too much. Well, and also, where's you talk about it, yeah. That
3: they, that the fans. That's always been the problem with LA teams. They don't draw, and especially if you're not good. Well, the one team that actually has their arrow pointing up the most out of these three teams is the Raiders.
1: Yeah,
3: and the, and they also are the one team that would have the most fans. That they would already have built in, Absolutely. based on their history of being in California all the time. The Rams, they've been gone for for what thirty years or whatever, Plus, it's been. and every yeah.
1: and every St. Louis Rams fan now has totally disowned them. So yeah. they're, every St. Louis Rams fan now is a Bears fan or a Tennessee Titans fan. They're just like piss off. Kansas
2: City Chiefs, Chiefs,
1: yeah. Uh,
3: Except that St. Louis hates Kansas City, so you know that's <laughs> tough.
2: <laughs> they're on it now. The, the real thing is, you know, Las Vegas is sort of the same way. Like, you think about the market in Las Vegas, you think about what's going on there. What kind of fans do you get? You know, Las Vegas is a ton of transplants, a lot like Arizona. It's a you, you listen to the Arizona games, and they're always like, look at all the fans from Dallas. Look at all the fans from the Chicago Bears. Yep. They mentioned the transplant fans in Arizona more than they mentioned the fucking Cardinals fans. It's ridiculous.
1: But they would fill the place, because I know one thing, I would go to a game or two... In Vegas for the NFL. I've
2: never been to the Vegas, so I don't understand. Oh, the
1: Bears are playing. I'll hit that shit. The Niners (laughs) are playing. The Raiders. I'll go to that. Vegas is so they get you can get there so cheap because they're just trying to. There's so many flights, especially from here, Southwest Airlines. It's so cheap to get to Vegas if you know two months in advance. You can get there literally a a gotta get away flight for like seventy nine each way. It is (laughs) so cheap to get there because they want people there. They want the tourism to spend the money.
3: Uh, isn't that interesting though? Then why would you want to be based and have be the home team of Vegas, where you are going to get all of these people who are going to be like, oh, I can go see my team play, and I got go to go and have a trip to Vegas for the weekend as well. For the people that are from Tennessee, if they're playing out there, or all these different places, yeah, they'll flock, and, and you'll have tons of others, other fans in there.
4: I just don't see Vegas as being a viable place for an NFL franchise. They want to keep up; they don't want a whiff of impropriety. And when you're the mecca of sports gambling, it's Something going to be awful change. hard to have an NFL team right in that city.
3: Will, will the stadium be called FanDuel DraftKings Stadium? <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, exactly. One thing I will say about
1: that um, is Vegas from Oakland—it's not that far. Drive, I think it's about a six or seven hour drive. So that's something to consider where you still kind of get the homer. Um, it, it's not that far. So if you were going to go to any place, I mean, it's, 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 it's just a smidge further than it would be to go down to L.A. Maybe not even because it's south of L.A., right? Well, you probably get cheap.
3: Again, it's the cheap flights. Yeah, cheap you know
1: flights. Who has to drive six hours to go see a football game? Not me.
2: I mean, I've had crazier weekends. I think I drove six hours to go see a
1: dead show. But the problem
2: is, you got to drive back home.
1: (laughs) not me. I don't remember. That's why I. I remember the. That's why I
2: pay for somebody else's ticket to go to shit like this with me, just so I have a driver to come back. Like, I I got you. Like, this is all you have to do is you have to literally drive me back, (laughs) because I will physically. Not even be able to. <laughs> you gotta get me in the
1: car as well. Just so you, know. you gotta drive it, but you're also gonna have to drag my ass into the thing.
2: Yeah, but Las Vegas just has an interesting right now they're working on getting their NHL team. You know, that's probably one thing that'll happen first. You sorta gotta sorta gotta sort of got sort of got to sort of got to see if gotta see if what's what pro sports listen They've got none so far. So you're they're always asking like, is Las Vegas a viable market? And I don't know if the NFL, with their buying power, if they're going to be the first ones to jump in there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it because, look, you're also talking about filling massive, a
3: massive stadium as compared to a hockey uh, arena where you only got to fill maybe 17,000, 20,000 20, 20, 20 to 80. People. Where you're going to put in, yeah, that's a huge difference. Um, granted, there's more games in, in a hockey season uh, that you're going to have to play, but at the same time, you know, how much, if you're an owner and that does not work, that's going to be the worst thing for you, you know. So unless unless the city of Vegas is also going to do all kinds of things to really help them out, you know, and and it, when you get those Las Vegas ads, are you also going to get a thing? Come see the Raiders, you well, know, think, and
2: Cirque du Soleil. I think
3: know? Las Vegas is,
2: I think <laughs> yes. Las Vegas will bend over backwards for the chance, but I don't know if the league is willing to do it. That's the real Like you know, Las Vegas is going to make the concessions. Is going to do what they have to do. They're gonna bend over backwards. So that's a lot of leverage in Mark Davis's hands.
1: Oh my God! There's so much money there. I mean, think about it. You're going to like they could have like a Dre's pool where there's a bunch of like strippers and stuff <laughs> happening, and you're like at the game, but it's a strip club too. Can they have can they have slot machines at the stadium?
3: Probably. Yeah. Can, you, not, have, can yeah, you have can you have slot everywhere. machine urinals? You
4: know, you, you've been. What do you win?
2: <laughs> hey, <laughs> toilet paper. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. You are not wiping this round. Oh my god! Yeah, that's Vegas is hilarious when you're in. In the, in the airport And there's like yeah. Slot machines And there's like A couple I, A couple table spots And like Smoking rooms and Oh like the a,
3: smoking rooms Good god Those are crazy There, <laughs> You just walk by And they open the door Like okay I've had enough cigarettes <laughs> I'm good
1: I just smoked For an entire year
4: <laughs> I was like uh, My best friend From college We did his Bachelor party there So we all kind of Flew out I was the best man We were, yeah, got married In Sedona So we all flew in I think to Uh Phoenix, but I rented a convertible, and all the people and the the guys in the wedding, we drove through the desert up to Vegas, got a room at the nice Venetians, like there's the two towers. But I remember, I mean, we're just a bunch of hippies walking in there, looking like a bunch of hippies. There's always, you know, these call girls and strippers walking right in, they just kind of wave them by, but every time we walked in there, they demanded to see our card and make sure that we were actually staying there, and call girls are walking right by us. But yeah, every time... Keep out the riffraff. Make I sure s- these guys are here on for real.
1: I can see some Hunter S. Thompson and that drive out <laughs> action happening.
4: You Bail can Bail
0: believe it. Barry. Barry. I'm your friend, but if I ever see you in the ring, I can beat you, don't you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do we wanna circle back to this Broncos and Patriots game? Is there anything else anybody's got? Well, the Broncos Patriots, it's just cause this is probably, hopefully. The last time we're going to see it,
4: but what? The 17th meeting, I believe, between Manning and Brady. I went back and looked a little bit. Uh, Brady won the first six. And usually, you know, Brady's credited. He won 11. I think Manning's won six. But in the playoffs, when Manning is usually thought to kind of, you know, crack flounder, the bed flounder. sometimes, yep, uh, versus Brady, Manning's 3-1, and one, which I was surprised in the playoffs, in the big games, because he's not usually known for that. So, you know, just selfishly, I enjoyed seeing the matchup. It, hopefully at least one last time. You know, that was cool.
3: I didn't, I didn't have any problem seeing Belichick being unhappy at the end of the game either.
2: No. That, does, that doesn't distress me one bit. And one of the big storylines is, should Bill Belichick kick the field goal with yes. five minutes left? That's uh, what everybody's talking about, second guessing the guy Because he, that's what he does He makes aggressive fucking decisions If they don't work out for him, they don't work out for him He is the hoodie You cannot, I mean, second guess him all you want But he's got championships, what do you yeah. got? Yeah, and he's got conviction
3: in his calls too So, yep. you know, and, and there's no one On that, on his team that when he decided To go for it on that, instead of kicking the field goal That said, this is no, no,
4: we shouldn't do that right.
1: So <laughs> I was, I was like I, I, When they were going for it Get those points, man. There's too much time left. I mean, obviously with the missed... Their
2: offense had did nothing all day. It does not
1: matter. You need the points. All of a sudden, you've eradicated that missed extra point, and you are winning the game, right? By like one point?
2: No, you're no, still no, you you're, you're down two. No, you're still losing by six. Right. Because they were down eight. They were down eight. It would have would I think it had
3: two-point conversion yeah. potential. So, And I also wanted them to kick it selfishly because I was in my championship,
4: and I had goskowski
3: and I needed to get those <laughs> points.
2: Oh, (laughs) DD won. Quit crying. I know,
4: it was good. (laughs) Well, I mentioned earlier that the son of a bum Phillips was a big part of the the win, I thought, for Denver. But perhaps even looking at the the run game um, on both sides, really. Uh, I think New England, you know, finally it's catching up to him or caught up to him. The lack of Blunt, the lack of Lewis. Uh, really showed. Their, their offensive line, not being able to run the ball, really showed. I mean, even backs out of the backfield. You know, earlier in the season, Deion Lewis was the man. Here we've got James White, 16 targets,
2: five catches, 45 yards. You and if know, you look at the numbers between uh, James White this year in this game uh, against Denver, and then you look at the numbers for Shane Vereen in that Super Bowl stark contrast hmm. and, how, and just how efficient they were and their ability to make catches and their ability to make things happen after the catch. Now, I just don't know if James White has that little extra juice that they need. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you think
4: it's, um, more reflective of James White, the player, or perhaps maybe, uh,
2: the line, not giving Brady enough time. Oh, it's James White, the player. Yeah. Cause Dion Lewis was leading the league in broken tackles, missed tackles, yeah. anything you yeah. want to say. Dion Lewis was electric, uh, and I, I think if he's still healthy, you know, different things happen there. But also, if Garrett Blood's still healthy, they probably run the ball more. And somebody probably has a better uh, miles per hour than Tom Brady, who led the running backs in, you know, 16.8 miles per hour compared to, uh, you know, all the other running backs that didn't, you know, match that speed.
1: <laughs> or, Jackson. Or, or get a chance to run it. One thing, Tom Brady, just a quick little overview Talk about you know how ridiculous he is. Postseason all time leaderboard, thirty one games. He's he's got the most for a quarterback. He's got the most uh, of anyone. Montana's got twenty three. Manning's got twenty five. Um, most postseason players by a game, same thing. Uh, any position. Rice had twenty nine. He's got thirty one. Vinatieri thirty. Uh, most victories Brady's got 21 victories in the postseason which is ridiculous LA has like 14 uh, game winning drives nine just he just owns everything best winning percentage most division listen to this and this is ridiculous Brady's got 13 13 it would have been 14 if they won that game oh no 13 division championships that is that is ridiculous but um, Anyway, he's got nine conference title game appearances. I mean, ten. Ten. That was before the, the, the numbers yeah. I was looking at. So, ten times he's been in that conference championship. So, Brady didn't get it done. It, it just didn't look like it wasn't their day. And you gotta, you got to tip your hat off to, to Denver. Uh, but it wasn't. It, Brady's the man. He's, he's, he'll be back. And I, every article I'm reading is like the Patriots aren't going anywhere. We know that. They're
4: s- situated uh, really nicely next year as far as the, the cap is concerned. So they should be able to return a lot of their, their big-time guys. But looking on the other side of the ball, I you know we were talking a little bit about the rushing game. What do you guys think about CJ? Um, you know, I, I saw some stats. He is looking recently more like the guy we saw at the end of the season last year. Um, one thing I saw in games where he's carried the ball 14 times or more, Broncos undefeated. And in the second half of the season, now I saw two different stats, resources, depending on which site you went to, uh, but from week eight on, I'm going to say he averaged six yards a carry. That's one site correct. said 6.1, one site said 5.9, so I think there were, one was running up, one was running down probably, but I'm going to say six, and that was almost tops uh, well, for the league, looking a lot like he did at the end of last year.
3: Here's the thing that, that is the question that, that bubbles up in my mind, because at that same point in time where he was averaging six yards per carry... You had Ronnie Hillman, who was averaging about 3 yards per carry mm-hmm. and still getting about the same amount of touches. And here we go in, the, in this last game, and Ronnie Hillman got 11 carries for 16 yards. The guy is completely ineffective. If he doesn't break the big run, he's worthless. Why wouldn't you have given the ball 22 times yeah. to C.J. Anderson and just given Ronnie
1: Hillman a 6 or 7 on the spelling when you want to give him a rest? I think you'll see that in, the, in, the, in this game. Hillman's terrible to watch too. Oh. Terrible attitude. Just like he's just, uh, he's he's painful. I think CJ will get the lion's share in the Super Bowl. And don't you guys
4: agree? I I don't know. I think they still might start off with Hillman, and then I think CJ will
2: uh, prove. His I, point. I don't know, I don't know what he's thinking because you could tell the more effective runner has been of late, and there's. Just awful, awful running. I mean, Ronnie Hillman is just one of the worst running backs after contact. He cannot break a tackle to save his life. Like, he gets hit and he goes down. That's what he is. And the thing is, against these better and better run defenses, he gets hit a lot earlier and he averages two, three yards a carry and it's just awful looking. And CJ's just got the ability to break one tackle that's going to pick him up a couple more yards every play. Or the ability to take a defender three yards, to run into Luke Kuechly and move him two yards.
1: And when he's going, doing that east-west, there's still some forward motion going to him. And let's be honest, that's a body. Mm-hmm. That That's a thick body. When you see him running the way he does and going and cutting it out towards the sideline, and it, it doesn't look like he's an easy guy to take down. Uh, so...
4: Yeah, yards. That after mass. He's contact. got that body mass. Yards after contact. He's outstanding. And next year, Hillman's uh, unrestricted free agent. So
2: likely. Goodbye, please. Yeah, yeah I, be I, our, aren't,
4: aren't they both? <laughs> I don't uh, know. CJ is restricted. Restricted. Okay. Free agent. Uh, Hill, uh, Hillman's unrestricted. So likely, Hillman's the one to go. This beer is about to be restricted in my
0: tummy. Bell No pupsters open me to the left. And the pukesters helping me to the right <laughs> uh,
1: I hope to puke tonight
2: <laughs> Oh, <laughs> getting weird Why don't you have some of his Bud Lights? That'll help <laughs> no, just 14 of them, maybe <laughs>
1: <laughs> Too bad you only brought a 12-er uh, Oh, true
2: that, that, was, that was the cutoff point for me <laughs> I think Dog got some silver bullets in the fridge Oh boy, I'm excited But, you no, know, just CJ Anderson's got I mean, if he had the volume of carries, I mean, his his yards per carry were there this season. It's not like they just disappeared. Uh, it just didn't seem like he had the volume. It was 4.7, and then he, he wasn't the same player in the passing game. And whether that's because of how they run the offense, you know, Kubiak's not a major, you know, screen type of guy to the running backs. It's more of just always dump-offs to C.J. Anderson this season, and he always seemed to be get tackled pretty quick so that that was one thing that was a major difference um and yeah he just started off awful um it looks like he's a player who thrives late in the season but you know same could be said for fat eddie
1: well let's talk i think a good segue is uh, the word awful um cardinals <laughs> heading over to uh carolina and uh they're Quarterback who will probably end up uh, second, maybe third in MVP voting throughout the league this year, Carson Palmer, was awful. Atrocious. Um, What can you say more? I mean, the interceptions, the bad plays, the forced throws, and uh, I just, it, it, it looked like a guy who had only won one playoff game in his life. Four interceptions, two lost
3: fumbles turnover machine, and Arians. no, oh, it wasn't Carson's fault, you know. That was a big part of it. This is a guy who, who played so tentatively the week before to get his first ever playoff win. Yeah, He did not come into this game with any type of look of confidence in what they were doing and what their game plan and what their scheme was, and it was immediately taken out of the game. And, you know, that's part of what that... Panthers defense has just been doing to everyone they've been facing all year. You know, they they shut down, uh, they usually shut down the running game. That was the one thing that David Johnson was the guy who was getting it done. A lot of it, yes, as a receiver, but he was still more effective as a runner than I thought he was going to be, you know, going up against those linebackers. So, uh, you know, obviously Thomas Davis, he he left the game, so that that didn't help any.
2: It's okay, he'll be back apparently. (laughs) Yeah, for the surgery and
1: i thought I thought Aryans was kind of shitting on on Pan, on Paul a little bit he was like it's not the finger in my opinion and that was me him saying the guy shit the bed enough with blaming it on his finger
3: well you't how about this decision making how
2: uh you know also how about the offensive line um <laughs> yeah it's it's problematic that I was, was their real thing that they remade this season that's what you know, took this offense to the next level. Also with Carson Palmer being in there, but the addition of Mike I- I- Iupati from the 49ers yeah. uh, got in there a little late due to his injuries early in the season. But he was a real difference maker in the run game. I mean, just looking at all the running backs they had, uh, you know, make an impact. It, it, was, it was good to see. I mean, I think this is a team with staying power, but this is also a team that matched up well with Carolina. Yeah. Carolina had one fucking healthy corner. One healthy corner that's worth the shit. And you've got, you know, the best trio of wide receivers yeah. in the league. And you were not able to take advantage of them.
4: Yeah, between their big three Fitz, Smoke, and Floyd. 90 yards between those three wide receivers. How about the second leading receiver was Darren Fells? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. On, a, on an Arians offense who doesn't often go to the tight end. Yeah, no, I, you, you got to
1: think. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's it, it what do you what does that franchise do going into this season? Palmer it, 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 obviously is the quarterback, but can you, can you really be thinking that now you're, you're, you're about to go into a three-year run as, as you've got some of these guys that are getting older, like Fitz and a Palmer, that they're going to be back in the same position next year? I mean, do they got to start – do they got to they... draft a quarterback and think, you know, not thinking that he's playing for the next couple of years, but that he – you know, tutelage of, of Palmer can get him going? What, what what's their thought process? Everyone's got a thought. Uh, we we saw how like, the
2: Logan Thomas experience sort of ended. So I don't know if they could draft somebody and expect Carson Palmer to be a mentor. Carson Palmer's never sort of been that guy. I mean, they've had guy. you know, I, I, I'm i retiring. Uh, I don't need your money. I got 80 mil. You yep. know, draft Andy Dalton and suck my cock.
1: Yeah, that's why. <laughs> <But, the> one, <laughs> th- one of the things I was going to say. I'll let you go on. As the Bengals fans, it got totally... That Palmer dropped his nutsack on that whole city and yeah. franchise with that line that you said right there. I'm I'm leaving. I'm done playing with this team. I don't play it for the money. I got 80 million in the bank. Uh, I'm gonna I'm not playing here anymore. Uh, well, Dick face. That was the block. best
2: thing they could have ever done though. No, you doubt. Ever no done, doubt. That helped the Bengals so much because would they get two firsts? No doubt. <laughs> like thank you, yeah. thank you, Carson. You fucking jamoke. But <laughs> You're an idiot. I mean, you, while the team was on sort of an upswing, while they were bringing in players, like, while they were going to bring you in an A.J. Green, you could have been at least the quarterback for one more year, probably had a great year, but then you went to the Raiders, you stumped the bed up, and now you ended up with this great team and sort of, yeah, played great all season, and then suddenly, oh my God, crap the bed.
3: Well, see, but the thing is, you're asking, what are, what are, what's their prognosis for next year? Yeah, you got to rely on Carson, okay? You have extreme depth at, at your wide receiver position, even going down to J.J. Nelson and uh, Jerome Brown uh, behind all
2: the other three guys that are out there Floyd's at the top. Well, floyd has got that unrestricted free agency hanging over him. Well, I mean, he's a guy
3: who can get some money. And he may be a guy that you end up, they, they end up letting go. Mm-hmm. But I think what their focus has to be in the offseason is to even revamp that defense up even more. Because, again, if you're going to... You have all these other talented guys. You you hit on David Johnson. So you know that you got him there going into next year. So you got your... It's Bruce Arian's offense, as most said. You don't need a tight end. So you've got all your skill positions set on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe you want to draft a quarterback, a project at some point in time, second round, third round, or something like that. But if you focus on that defense, because, again, to win in this league, you still have to have, and to win a Super Bowl, you need to have a dominant defense. Look at all these teams. We said they're all top ten defenses, and the two best defenses from each conference are in the Super Bowl.
4: And I think one thing that really hurt them was not having the Honey Badger. I think yeah. that really affected them. But, yeah, I think next year, it's, these guys are getting older, and it's kind of going to be a make it or break it. Now, in this NFL, You know, if there's a quarterback there, you're going to have to draft them. It's just such an important position now, but that's a couple of years down the road. I think next year, Palmer, they could very easily, if they paid attention to some defensive spots, and you know if everything breaks the right way with health, I think they could easily be right back where they are. Especially with some of the hits, like you said, uh, on the, the young know, running back Johnson and some of the other drafts they've done. I think they can easily be right back where they are.
2: Here's the issue: uh, Arizona is fine. I mean, Honey Badger was a great player. Missing him had a little bit of an effect. They could just not get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, that's all that mattered. Cam Newton had the best release time. Uh, they only blitzed uh, Freeney and uh, Golden 32 times compared to 62 times uh, against the Packers. Uh, you have to create a, pa- a pass rush, and they don't have a true pass rush performer there. I mean, you're looking at guys like Clayus Campbell, who's an mm-hmm. interior defender, but who's your real threat on the outside? You don't have a Von Miller, you don't have Demarcus Ware, you don't have any of these type of guys. You don't have, you know, a guy who can make an impact on his own, on the outside, and that's what you have to find. But good luck trying to find that. That's what everybody's looking for in the draft. You need playmakers on the defensive side of the ball who can get to the quarterback on their own in two seconds, three seconds, and without them, you're a totally different defense, especially against a quarterback who can move a little bit. And to give some props to uh,
4: Carolina's way, I believe it's from guard to guard, so their offensive interior line, they've only allowed one hit on cam so far this season so yes arizona needs wow uh, or, I'm sorry, one hit during the playoffs oh, okay. One hit during the playoffs Guard to guard, one hit during the playoffs <laughs> oh, so, Two games I'd be like, all the offensive linemen <laughs> Got to kill the superman like, We are the shit So while definitely Arizona to needs some pass rush Certainly I think Carolina Gets some props there, especially
2: interior I mean literally you've got the blind side Protecting your blind side and <laughs> last year, we, We've seen that before It, it hasn't been good Like Michael Orr has to be- that written down over there. <laughs> nah, that seemed that
1: seemed about the most scripted that Stag's ever got. I like it. I like it. <laughs>
2: you just, you're just a hater. <laughs> hey, I'm giving you props. I'm giving you props. I, I liked it. I'm okay, giving you props. I mean, the things that he's been able to do this season. We went into the season thinking this fucking offensive line is awful. Like they suck. Like Michael Orr is your best. Like. Outside player, how are they going to be able to stop anybody? Because he's had awful seasons. What was he in Tennessee last year playing the right side? He was awful there. And then, you know, Baltimore a couple seasons ago, he was awful there and they let him go. And, you know, a couple of years down the line, it's like, oh, this guy's just not good. Like, he's got a great story and everything, but he's not. And then suddenly, boom, you know, they're there. You lose Kelvin Benjamin in the preseason. You think, once this team loses Kelvin Benjamin, who do they have? Like you got Greg Wilson, you got Cam Newton. Yeah, we know about the defense, but on our offense, th- Cotchery? yeah, those wide receivers, um,
4: maybe fifty percent of other NFL teams, if those wide receivers were there, they'd be starting.
2: Maybe no, no, not a chance. Ted Ginn was on this Arizona yeah, Cardinals team. he was on these Cardinals last year, and couldn't crack the lineup. I mean, it's amazing, and we'll he's get, so. their best receiver, yeah. uh, and he he shoved he gave it to him a little bit. You know, on that little nice oh. little run, and then he had a couple of big catches, and it was good in the return game here and there, but he gave it to him a little bit, but he wasn't great, and what, Devin Funches cut a touchdown pass, uh, you know, great, but didn't do anything else, but...
1: Well, one thing I'll so, say about, and I'll make this quick, I love Gann, obviously he's got some elite speed, and he's like... He's got some something elite about him, but doesn't it seem like he's kind of uncoordinated? I've never seen oh, yeah. a guy. I've never seen a guy that's like an NFL player that can make a big play. But when he like catches the ball, he like can make great plays and he can tip a tap on the sideline. But he's also kind of very uncoordinated. Like he'll just kind of like drop. He'll do the Willie Galt drop to his knees sometimes, and it's just not a really. He's the opposite of a Martavis Bryant. It's There's nothing fluid. fluid. Yeah. About, there's yeah. nothing fluid about him. There's It's always kind of like, get, he gets it done, can't knock on him. I mean, this guy's been a
0: huge,
1: huge, huge reason why this team is in the Super Bowl. But when you're looking at him, it's like, man, this guy's like tripping over himself. He's too fast for his own good. But the ultimate key to
3: why this team is in the Super Bowl is Superman. It is Cam Newton. You know, you look at and what's amazing, too, is it. it's not like it, it Cam had, you know, his, his best... Uh, Uh, passing yardage since uh, his second year in the season uh, where he threw for 38. He threw for 4,000 in his first year. He only threw for 38, 37. But he re-energized with the rushing because he career-high 35 passing touchdowns. Then got back to double-digit with 10 rushing touchdowns. 45 (laughs) touchdowns that this guy uh, contributed on the season. And championship! When you look at the fact that he was right at his career average for completion percentage of 59.7, which his career is 59.5. But what it was is, when was he making these completions? All of his must-have completions, he was making them. And here's the other thing. When he gets Kelvin Bentham back, and they need to add another, give him another weapon, because he has so much developed and become much more comfortable in the pocket, moving around the pocket, extending plays, creating the plays. And then that's why he had so many of the big plays, you know. And you're throwing it to guys who drop the ball all the time and Devin Funches and Ted Ginn and, and, and all these other guys and Jericho Cotter who can't break away from anybody. So you got to give him ultimate props. And it's, it's, it's a testament to him because I know that I was pretty much writing them off because I had Cam as one of my high quarterbacks on my initial tiers and then when Benjamin went down, I'm like, well, here we go, crap show again. Yeah, who's left for him to throw
0: to? Right.
4: You know, and it's amazing what he's done with those guys, Catchery and Gannon Funches. I mean, between some of those guys, like you said, perhaps the worst hands in the league. mean maybe Devonte Adams might give him a run for their money. But what he's done with these guys since week eleven in Carolina wins. Carolina wins since week eleven. Their lowest scoring game is thirty-one points. That's just incredible. Yeah. Doing putting up those kind of scores with. His weapons.
2: Can we just talk about Cam Newton for the rest of the day? Because Rich Eisen had this segment on his show the other day where he just had four pages of Cam Newton stats and went through them. Basically, I'm going to give you a couple. Yeah. Because they're interesting. Cam Newton is the first player in NFL history to have 40 passing touchdowns and 20 rushing touchdowns in his first two years of his career. Cam Newton, last, su- uh, last Sunday... Was the first player to throw for over 200 yards and rush for two rushing touchdowns as a quarterback uh, in the playoffs? Um, Cam Newton just over his first five years has the most total yards of any quarterback ever. Um, He has the most rushing touchdowns over the first five seasons of any quarterback ever.
1: Isn't Uh, he? Isn't he about to surpass uh, Steve Young for total rushing touchdowns of all time?
2: For yardage or uh, touchdowns? Uh,
1: touchdowns. Total, yes. tu- total touchdowns. He's like one or two away from Steve Young for his career
4: already. And that's the thing. With his body type, a lot of times with rushing quarterbacks, you're worried about you know, age, uh, the, the amount of damage done to their body. With his size, you just don't worry about that. You just don't worry about him getting banged up, I think. His legs and his rushing threat will always be a part of his game, whereas with a lot of those young quarterbacks, that goes away after a couple of years. And you hope to develop pocket passer. With him, you're getting everything.
3: But but here's the question now, because he's he he's, he hasn't gotten a new contract yet, right? So he's oh about, yeah, he got paid. So so he's 103 million or whatever it was. Yeah. So. Don't you think though now that going into next year, this is really why they want to be adding weapons and doing things for him, so that you can protect him? You don't want him to expose himself. He has proven that you know he's he's not this, this the old
1: school running quarterback anymore. He's a quarterback. Could you imagine he's both? Yeah. Can you imagine if they never let Stevie Fisk go? Could you imagine Stevie Fitz, I mean, obviously he hurt his Achilles this year, but could you imagine, because that's exactly what they need. They need a guy, a tough, smaller, fast in and out of his breaks, maybe he's a slot receiver, maybe he's not. Someone you can move around, someone you can have be an Edelman type, someone that can be a a Brandon Cooks-like guy. You need that type. That's all this team's missing. If they can get one of those guys, holy criminy crickets. I
2: don't think they need anybody, because get Calvin Benjamin back you got Greg Olson, who's a top five tight end in this league. You've got an elite deep. Top breath. two, yeah. He's he's. I mean, he, he's, he's on the downside behind of
3: the Yeah, but he's just getting it done. How many? Jordan Reed,
2: truthers will doubt you,
1: but I mean, Fair Jordan not. Reed has to stay healthy for more than one season. Uh, I agree. If he does, Jordan Reed, yeah, that guy's fucking. He's a, he's a wide receiver. So
2: going back to Cam Newton and his rushing ability, Cam Newton through five years is the only quarterback ever to rush for over five hundred yards and five touchdowns with a 4.8-yard-per-carry average ever. And how many running backs have ever done that? Yeah, not Four. <laughs> that's it? Four other running backs have only done that. Wait, have what? What's 500 the- yards, five touchdowns, with a 4.8-yards-per-carry uh, yeah, average in every season. And that's, is there a minimum of, of his five seasons or whatnot? Yeah. Got to have wow. played five seasons. Got to have at least 4.8 every year. Gotta have at least got five touchdowns. It, it, like, he he's just consistent. And even though he wasn't there for every game last year, those are the only two games he's missed of his career. And but one, he what, flipped his fucking truck?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I just, I came across that picture earlier in the week when I was looking for something. I'm like, damn, that Matt Black thing was flattened. Well think about remember, because last year he was doing
3: everything with, with with the broken ribs, with the with all the injuries that he had. That He's guy who, he deserves the ultimate
0: fair day. Fail, it's my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. <laughs>
1: what Tell what, what us about the audio. I'll give the music that we introduced um, that we went into is the Chemical Brothers. Uh, that's Setting Sun is the opener, and Psychedelic Real is the uh, closer. And um, what do we got going on the?
0: I mean, what's the audio tonight? You know, you got some Randy Macho Man Savage. Oh yeah! And when we get past the Macho Man, and we get into the
3: the drunker part of the show, then we'll bring in the Iron Sheik and his craziness.
1: Oh, the Sheik is about as crazy as it gets. I would love to have the Sheik on the Pyro Podcast one time.
5: Suck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like, uh, sounds like me on the Duker. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting not having dog here, because when you talk about shit in the bed and stuff, there's no one in the, in the room that gets really fired up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so just, I think we've hit everything on this game, but Cam Newton, after this game, has sort of talked about, you know, how his race and being African-American has, you know, sort of caused some unfair, you know, criticism and i've got to agree with the guy basically he come he came out and his exact quote is i am an african-american quarterback that may scare a lot of people because they haven't seen nothing that they can compare me to and this is what he told to the charlotte observer and everybody's had their opinion on it and i sort of want to talk to you guys about it because i think it's it's a crock of shit Fucking Cam Newton has more fun on the football field than anybody I have seen in the last decade.
1: We've been who, talking about that on this show for the last four years. Who does Him Cam smiling Newton, when he's running and looking around the field?
2: Who and does Cam Newton remind you of on the field?
1: At the quarterback position? Nobody. Myself, when I was friggin' thirteen years old, all Randall of
2: Cunningham us. maybe? No, no, not even that. Just the way he, Having fun, he kid, carries. He's himself. a kid. He's a Brett kid kid on the
1: field. Uh, Brett, okay. Okay, yeah, that's
2: a good one. If Nobody criticized Brett Favre for fish pumping, for running up to his yeah. guys and pumping them in the end zone, for doing the Lambeau leap for his guys, to giving out footballs, you know, yeah. here and there, to doing everything Brett Favre did. That's but not... because it's Cam Newton, because he's celebrating wild black, they fucking, there's, everybody's there's, hating on him. You're 100% no,
3: that... right there that the, the black thing comes into it, because it, it is completely unfair. But... I do know that there were a lot of people who didn't like the Brett Favre antics either. So let's, let's not be, for, you know, revisionist history and forget that he was a cocky asshole and there's a lot of people <laughs> who, who did not like Good. Brett Favre. But- Brett Favre never got vilified in the media. Uh, he never got vilified in any other way. You know that Cam Newton is, and the difference is this: this is a new NFL now, right? We have this is a new breed of quarterback who are doing things differently than the old quarterbacks. Your old quarterbacks, when you were champions, the Joe Montana's, uh, you know the John Elway stuff, you were the field general. You had to be the guy that was basically like the CEO of the company, right? You're the one that's that's. The guy that's leading by example—I don't have to be this brash guy. But that's not what this NFL is anymore. And what Cam is is the best at his what he does, and all around, and he has fun with it. So, you know, they've been doing touchdown dances and everything else is since in the seventies, going back to Billy White Shoes Johnson and all this stuff. But it never came from the quarterback position. I think that's where people are getting upset about it. But you want to know what? This game is supposed to be fun. Stop making it the no fun league and let's let's embrace and enjoy what this guy is doing. And I, I I have I agree he's getting a raw deal and a raw shake by a lot of people out there.
1: when I said it reminded me of me at thirteen, not because of any of my skill set. So do me, 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 me go back. I don't here. think anybody yeah. thought about it. Yeah. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I know. Okay. Just clarifying, just clarifying, just letting you know. But the way that he has fun is like The way that you think of your child and your favorite sport and growing up and fuck, that's the way it should be, and that's why Brett Favre is on a a mountain, and that's why people think of him as one of the most entertaining players, and he's obviously had a very successful career as well. It's just when players just emit this enthusiasm and energy and excitement and fun and and just, it's it's contagious. I guess it's only contagious when you're white
0: though. Because if you're black, it's it's you. Another little fag, worse than Michael Jackson. <laughs>
1: Jesus. The she? Guess, the she jump the in she, a little bit? She kinda, but when it, when you're Cam and you're doing your thing and you're doing the dab and you're having fun and you're grabbing the ball and you're handing it to a kid in the front row that's yeah. wearing your jerseys, now all of a sudden you're you're an asshole. You're pompous. Your 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 swagger doesn't match with my, me. And what it is? Before you go, it's racist. The people that are saying this stuff, you're a racist. Sorry.
4: Yeah, and Staggs, like you said, I thought it was an apt comparison with Favre, and I remember most of the Favre uh, flack, people not liking him, really, and maybe that's tainting it towards the end of his career when he was really sitting on the fence, I'm retiring, I'm not retiring, that's the most flack that I heard him get, really. Uh, I don't remember it too much for him behaving the way he did on the field a little bit, but certainly not to the extent that Cam is, and it's... Yeah, he's black and it's a it's a terrible thing, but man, that's let's call it what it is. Well that's right
3: what here. I'm saying. It was the media never vilified Favre. But I'm saying is that there all the other NFL fans from all the other cities that teams that played against him, you were watching, you hated him. You got annoyed with him. He was, you know, just as like as a bear I,
2: fan, yeah. yeah. Well, of course,
3: as a bear fan, especially. But you know, even anybody else, it's like you know, because you'd go into a game and they would never talk about your team if it's a playoff game. Oh, it's all about Brett Favre. What Brett Favre's gonna do? It's right, at Brett Favre. Where, where's John Madden? I watch my from Brett Favre can do a John Madden station, but... The,
2: wah, thing, wah, wah, wah. the thing is, we've now had what a black quarterback uh, on one side of the NFC for the last four years. Yeah, Colin Kaepernick, you got Russell Wilson Joyce and now you got Cam Newton. But Cam Newton's the only guy getting flack. Like, because he's a different kind of leader, yeah. because he's the rah-rah motherfucker. People I'm didn't
1: a- like Kaepernick because he was kissing his bicep. But
2: But, but that I- the extent that they criticized Kaepernick was maybe half of the extent that they are criticizing Cam Newton. What about Donovan McNabb?
3: That guy got criticized and vilified, took went to how many uh, NFC four was it, four in a row NFC championships, and then the uh, And and then the Super Bowl with the loss, and it's like you know he got. got Here's
1: here's one thing to say. Go ahead.
4: Well, just having that, maybe you know, younger listeners, but having a black quarterback is not that old. I mean, I remember was it Doug Williams on uh Washington 87. 1990? Was it 87? 90 was when they won? The Warren Moon in
1: 83, 87? 84. That was the that was the oh, change. You know, that was, was the change uh, the, Oh yeah, yeah Washington. Was, 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 so we're was.
4: talking what, 87-90 not, not that long ago really in our lifespan. I, I just, remember that when it was a huge deal. You know? I just watched
3: the uh, they were do the, the the on the NFL top ten Super Bowl performances of all was time. That 87? It was eighty seven because they knocked out the Bears uh, with the stupid Daryl Green with the hurt uh, running and all over us, oh, whatever. But Doug Williams in that game, his performance—the second quarter alone against the the, the Broncos—threw for three hundred and twenty-two yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> second quarter. In the second quarter, wow. Wow. they were down ten nothing, and then they were up thirty-five to ten.
1: Oh my God. That is insane Like an 80
3: something younger to Ricky Sanders Another one to Ricky Sanders
4: Gary Clark It was Everybody was going I mean we're talking the NFL And change comes slowly to the NFL And you've got a lot of these coaches That have been around and recycled for a long time And they're carrying a lot of old school thinking And I think a lot of the old school thinking Is you can see it now with this reaction to Cam okay. Who doesn't love a guy that's giving kids footballs I mean come on I think that's one
3: of the coolest things that they, yeah, that they do. And
4: he, he even coaxes his teammates to doing it, too.
1: Right. Now, why when. There's a commercial campaign for um, double discount, check discount. What is that? This, uh, discount, double check, what, check it, safe farm? Safe farm. When Aaron Rodgers, after he scores a touchdown, does the pump and then literally gyrates and humps. Boom! It <laughs> gives you, and is basically. Humping the defense and showing the championship belt. Oh, what a player! Yeah. What a throwback! What an arm! He's amazing. One of the best. Cam's just doing Superman, dude. I'm i I'm a superhero. I love this. Oh my God! What a thug! This, this is what the NFL got. My dad's NFL. I, I hate doing this. Fucking racist! It, it it really
3: is. I mean, it goes back to look at remember how much hate he, the people had for him when he was at Auburn, and it was because his dad was taking like some yeah. the money and whatever. Yeah, and it was all stuff. So come on, we'll take the money and run. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and, and unfortunately, it's as much as our society has move forward in some ways, we are still...
1: His dad was an, an to, idiot, though. His yeah, dad had still, mentioned, I'm not, I'm not his dad that. mentioned that. He was like, yeah, whoever's paying the best is where I was going. And remember why this happened. He was the backup to Tim Tebow at Florida. <laughs> cheating he could, scandal. He could not get ahead of Tim Tebow, so he transferred, and that's when his dad was well, like, Well, he whoever also got the
2: caught the for uh, a cheating scandal yep. that we... Now, the I media won't mention too much. Cheating scandal, went to a community college, ended back up in Auburn. But uh, the funny thing was Charles Barkley, one of the best things Charles Barkley ever said, is, oh, we pay, Auburn paid him 200 grand? I think it was a good investment.
3: <laughs> did, you hear, did you hear what Shaq just said now? <laughs> Shaq just came out and they're talking about LSU. He's like, "Oh yeah, they paid me to go to LSU." He's like, I, "I let my kid go there. Maybe I get a house out of the deal." Goes, I think the statute of limitations are going on there. I don't think I can say that now.
1: Wow. Dude, why? Why wouldn't it? These schools make so much money. You think they're not paying these guys? Well, I just watched that thirty
3: for thirty with the guy who was the the, the sneaker guy who was with Nike that signed everybody, Sonny Vaccaro. Oh, yeah, and then he went to Adidas and then started the whole grassroots thing. Where you know when they got Kobe Bryant was like yeah. their their first get. It's like. Like, the money around that is just ridiculous.
2: Yep. Oh, yeah, ba- right. Valverde's.
0: It didn't even started. You understand that? You understand that? I blame myself. <laughs> I can't stop drinking Valverde's.
2: I blame myself. Yeah, I have that problem from time to time.
1: God bless it. We're happy it's the weekend, so you're throwing down some valves with us. Well, let's, uh, should uh, we... Got anything else to talk about on on this uh, on on this stuff? All right, as we said earlier on Wednesday, we'll be recording our uh, Pyro podcast. That'll be a lot of Super Bowl action in that one. We'll do some sort of secondary segment that is uh, fantasy football focused and more strategy. Prop bets.
3: I was going to say we yeah, need to be bets. we that. need to do yeah. some prop bets between us. I got to kind of. I, kinda, I know. don't
2: know who do you going to pay up. Maybe. Can I double, double it up? keep bringing it over my <laughs> can, head. You know? you double, can I double, I double nothing? up?
0: Shots fired.
2: Double it <laughs> nothing
1: to do a Merlot style? Double it up until. Maybe fan.
0: maybe I'll pay or maybe, you know. It's okay for macho men to show every emotion available right there, you know, because I've cried a thousand times. I'm going to cry some more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, macho men. Macho. All right. Well, Baaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaa bad- 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 Oh, well... Because I'm the champion by myself. All by myself. Uh rest in peace,
1: macho man. Rest in, in peace. Uh, well, we're not going to talk about it too much in this show, but we are going to do. We are doing some exciting things with the Pyro Podcast. It's a little sidebar Pyro promo. We're running a little bit long, so I'll make it fast. But uh, we're actually going to be moving this show after the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's uh, one week or two weeks after, but we're going to be moving the show... Um, Off of our current platform, we're using Buzzsprout. It's been a great thing for us for the last uh, four or five years we've been doing this show. But we are going to be moving Mo uh, and Stag Party's Pyro Podcast Light and uh, this Pyro Podcast Heavy. We are going to be moving over to Blog Talk Radio. So we're excited about some of the opportunities that those guys are going to... offer us and afford us. We're going to be part of a bigger directory. We feel like we can really uh, shine in their fantasy football niche. Uh, within their directory there, and uh, they 've got some good people over there that are that are working with the company uh, and have asked us uh, if we wanted to join the fray and it just It just makes sense for us and uh, Mo, if you have anything to say we 're pretty excited just uh, you 're going to be noticing that there 's just going to be some changes to our shows that will be subsequent and a part of this move, but all good things and all just kind of moving in the right direction
4: yeah we 're just trying to reach a larger audience by going to blog talk radio. And uh, supposedly, you listeners, if you're already subscribed to us, if you're not, get off the bench, what are you waiting for? Uh, But if you are, uh, you should not notice a disruption of service. If you're uh, subscribed via iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, uh, everything should continue like normal. Perhaps uh, the one little caveat you might notice is you might get some past shows, a sense to you, but uh, you know, delete a few and uh, of the past ones, and everything after that should be just like normal. So it's not gonna upset your. Uh, Exper-
1: current experience exactly and if it does uh the the blog talk radio team will be in Houdini's first installment of bitch lap next year <laughs> uh, this is an important thing to us because we don't want to change and the people that have been with us that are new to us and have been around for since day one and have been listening we do not want to change and have you have to have you change or uh you know do anything differently but we're excited to we're going to be doing some more uh there's gonna be some more ads. There's gonna be ads on it. We're gonna be doing some pre-rolls. We're gonna be doing some uh, ads during the show, and that's
4: different. But you know, that's just the nature of the beast. Well, you know, we've got Founders as a sponsor and uh, DraftKings, and by going to Blog Talk, we'll we'll get some more sponsors, and really, you know, that's uh, to help us give you more goo. You know, the more sponsors we get, the more time we can spend building the the fantasy beast that is Pyromaniac. And, uh, we've talked, uh, you and I have talked to, uh, Pod Vader, Jay Soderberg. You know, he's uh, over at Blog Talk Radio now and, uh, he really got it smooth, worked out over there. So, you know, you're, you're not going to notice any disruption and if anything, things are just going to get better.
1: Absolutely, and we're going to be doing some other changes. We're uh, going to be talking this weekend about possibly doing some more uh, periscopes, maybe some, uh, some. Um, there, there's other, Blab There's a new format that uh, we're, we're going to consider maybe doing, but getting some more video into the mix. Uh, we know that this would probably be more of a heightened Pyro Pro, uh, premium type of level stuff, but again, we're to, that's one of the reasons why Mo's in town, we're going to be talking through a lot of these kind of options, and uh, really... The goal for us, and we've said this many times over many years, is to be doing this full-time. It's not something that we currently are able to do. All four of us in this room have full-time jobs. And we work our balls off in our moonlighting, in our time off to bring uh, you know this content and bring the pyromaniac.com experience. Bring these podcasts on a weekly basis, two of them. And fuck's sake, Houdini. Wouldn't you love to just be doing Pyromaniac the whole time? Gosh, Imagine yes. what we could be delivering to you guys listening if this was wake up, Pyromaniac, go to bed, hump my wife, maybe jerk off, uh, and then the next day you get to do Pyromaniac again. This is the goal. And by moving over to um, you know Blog Talk Radio and some of the other moves that you'll be seeing on our site, uh, that is the reason we are trying to be able to achieve this. <laughs>
2: Play
3: it again. again. Hit it again. Oh, did <laughs> oh, you over talk it? <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. We'll, we'll be um, we'll be talking more and more about the, the transition, and the, and you'll just be noticing some things. But appreciate uh, appreciate you guys being with us from day one, and you new listeners, we appreciate it as well. If you haven't, hook us up. Uh, get us a review. Um, up on, uh, iTunes, and, uh, there's another last thing that we'll mention here. Somehow, our show on iTunes split into two. It happened three years ago. We thought we paid someone, a consultant, to fix it, and somehow iTunes is re-split into two shows. So the Pyro Podcast is in two spots as two different shows on iTunes. What has happened here as a result is a lot of the people that have been giving us reviews over the course of the last six months, seven months, have been doing so on the newly split podcast version of the show up on iTunes. And as what we're going to do is we're actually going to have to delete that show We're gonna um, We want only one show Because that's gonna help us In the news and noteworthy That's gonna help our stature And being able to have Our episodes shown It's gonna help us Instead of You know Two There's one So We won't go into it Too much right now I'm not even gonna ask you guys Anything to do But uh, Damn, we got to erase the show, and with that it's going to go about 50 so uh, reviews because uh, I've been talking to the people over in the iTunes uh, podcasting group there, and they cannot take our reviews and our, um, and our ratings and merge them uh, when it's two shows. No one knows why this is, has happened twice. They can't merge them back into one, so we are going to lose those. We've got a couple ideas, and we're going to incentivize people that did give us a, uh, a review in that show that we're gonna have to delete to hopefully go back and re give that review and give that rating on the uh, other show when we finally delete it here in the next week or two. Uh, but we'll get to that later. Um, but we love we love you and love your support. And um, that little segment here is just talking about the business side of things and. Uh, Sorry for making it too long.
4: Yeah, if you've done a review, go, you know do another one. Go check. And you want to hit the one that has 150 reviews or more? Yep. If you thought you did one and it's gone, do another one. If you already did one that has the one for 150 reviews or more, you know what? Everybody's got at least two emails or three. Find another email, leave another review, and we're talking about ways to give you a kickback uh, for showing us the love.
1: Absolutely. Okay, well, sweet. Well, um, you know, second <coughs> Segment two here is going to be a fun one. Um, You know, as we talked about earlier in the show, drafting is obviously a crucial thing for your fantasy football team each season. Uh, It's not the only thing. That's why you listen to Pyro and do pickups and do all the other good stuff. But what we are going to do on this show is go through some of our drafts and pinpoint some of our best picks some of our worst picks, some of the best picks in the league by others, and just point out some of the gems and, and, that you can find and get players that, uh, you know, just high-level just tell you. I mean, you know, a guy like Allen Robinson I grabbed at the very end of the 10th round and uh, in, in a draft, and there's always that value, and that's why it's not – there's no offseason of fantasy football, and hopefully this segment – and talking through this draft will really show you, kind of, it'll it'll put that that light in your in your mind and in your eyes, like, wow, study now, study hard, figure out a little bit of a strategy, but just understand, draft's super important, and if you kill it, wow, you, it really helps you. Uh, but at the same time, uh, learn from past mistakes, and uh, we say always audit, review what you did this year, review what worked for the team that won the championship, and I think. Looking through uh, Drafts from four different Fantasy football gods Um, Just kidding Uh, (laughs) Drafts Why not? It just will help you uh, See the light and um, there you have it So
2: Anyone want to go first? If not I haven't uh, said anything in a while So (laughs) I'll hop right in in here Nice. Uh, So I sort of had the tale of two drafts I, I did two different things Between two different drafts uh, you know, similar size leagues, you know, 12 team leagues. What do you, you mean, know,
4: did two different things? Like two different draft philosophies going into it?
2: Not really different draft philosophies. I, I strayed from my hard, long, you know, provision in tears and went with the fucking. Basically, the first round went with chasing the run. So instead mm. of drafting my top overall receiver, you draft CJ Anderson in the first round and you regret it for the rest of your goddamn life. But the thing was, going into my draft, so I always said I was comfortable with one top-eight running back and a top-ten receiver. Or uh, a top-ten running back and a top-eight receiver. Uh, I got that flipped around a little bit. So I always said that was the only way I was comfortable coming out of the first two rounds. I didn't like it any other way, so I always made a point to get one of those guys. So, C.J. Anderson was my number five ranked running back going into the season. Uh, I drafted him over, you know, Julio Jones. The thing is, you learn from that, Top drafting the top overall player, you know, at a position, or a top two player, dra- drafting him versus drafting a guy who's five or six on your tiers, just has so many advantages. I mean... The things you, the flexibility it allows you just by drafting best player available. So say, my my first two rounds ended up with C.J. Anderson and Odell Beckham. So I got my dream scenario and and things that I like and my my top ten running back ideally preseason and my top eight receiver. I, I, I got the top eight receiver in Odell Beckham. I didn't get that top running back, uh, but the thing is the rest of those running backs there there was. The guys drafted after him were, uh, you know, Jeremy Hill, Marshawn Lynch, DeMarco Murray, you know, Justin Forsett. Like, which Lamar Miller? Yeah, Lamar Miller was better, but that was in the third round. Like, which of those guys was really See, better at the I'll, time?
3: Let me ask you a question because in my league it was kind of the same situation that you had, but it was reversed. I had the tenth pick. I got Julio Jones with my first, and then I went for C.J. Anderson in the second round on my wrap. Uh, 12-team league also, and where I could have had Odell Beckham instead of C.J. Anderson. And this is the thing where it's, I've always was the guy who was like, okay, it has to be running back, running back, and I've fallen off of that. But now it's almost like this year told me, I'm done. I am done drafting running backs in the first two rounds, first three rounds, and I am going to grab these stud wide receivers that, that put up more points. Because year after year after year, it's the running backs that are taken in rounds 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 that end up at, toward the top.
4: I, I think we need to go out for beers and join a support group because I, too, drafted CJ <laughs> Anderson. Uh, and, you know, okay, he had a great second half of the season, as we've kind of mentioned. Great, still pushing it.
2: One great game okay. against the Wiggler. Decent I
3: didn't mean, the season.
2: 7.5 points a week, like, yeah. because it was just, yeah. He was great in terms of yards per carry, but he wasn't getting carries.
4: <laughs> well, did you guys hang on to him by the time? I mean, he didn't start turning around week, week eight, week nine. I didn't have him by that point anymore. I
2: just can't drop my first <clears> round <throat> pick unless they're injured. Like It's like, I drafted him for a reason. Well, I can't drop him. Yeah, he's a, he becomes a stash.
4: On yeah. your Going under under with court. what you said, you know, and I was always like that as well, running back, grab a running back, grab a running back. But, boy, with the volatility at the running back position, whether it be... Injury or whether a guy you know, shows up one season, Eddie Lacy drops off the face of the earth the next season. Now, Eddie Lacy, to, to give him a, a bit of a benefit here, his uh, offensive line, according to Football Outsiders, I think it went from roughly two years ago, ranked fifth last year, roughly ranked eighth. This year, Football Outsiders gave him the 25th ranking for offensive line. Still, Eddie Lacy's got a lot of fault to shoulder. Uh, but, Tubby with the Shover. volatility there at the running back position, I too, I think I'm going to be going, especially in PPR leagues, uh, going to be looking for wide receivers. Now, here are some numbers that I know we've all kind of uh, tweeted or talked about. I brought this up with uh, Josh Moore uh, a couple uh, podcasts ago, but just 22 wide receivers went for over 1,000 yards. Seven running backs went for over 1,000 yards. Ten wide receivers put up double-digit TDs, five Did it with rushing for running backs, and uh, if you count their receptions as well, there was seven. Mm. Um, 14, I picked kind of an arbitrary number, but it was a number where I found some discrepancy, right? So I found uh, a big window here. So I picked 245 points in PPR uh, formats. Wide receivers that scored over 245 points this year, 14. Last year, 13. How many running backs did it this year? Two. So if anything, that that old school mentality of you got to grab a running back first, just look at how many running backs went down. The the volatility, I'm going heavy wide receiver and going for my mid-round, especially late-round home run swings at the running back position. I want some uh, security. Not only that, I'm also not going to go as sexy early round up. I mean, if you can get a second guy, a second wide receiver, like a Hearns or a Decker, you know, I don't think Decker had a double touchdown game this year. I'm just kind of going off the top of my head. I don't think he did, but boy, almost nearly every single week, Mm -hmm. that guy's scoring. And if I can get some security at my second wide receiver and grab a big wide receiver with my first pick, I'm going to be pretty happy with the amount of running backs that can surface in the top 12 from week to week.
3: I agree. And and here's the thing, too. Like, looking at... The top running backs that were taken in in my draft, so in the first round, Eddie Lacy went first, uh, did not pay off.
2: Peterson, okay, that one worked. That Uh, was about the only running back draft in the first round that paid paid off.
3: Marshawn Lynch, that one didn't work. Jamal Charles, he got hurt. Jeremy Hill, that didn't work. Le'Veon Bell was good, that he got hurt. Um, Then you had DeMarco Murray, well, that one didn't work. And he
1: missed the first two games, Bell. Right.
3: And C.J. Anderson, struggle. Matt Forte. Looked good early, but then it just it wasn't there. He also there. got hurt. Yeah, got hurt, and then, and then it wasn't there because then Langford had to establish himself. Mm, this yeah. is the point. With those wide receivers, how many of them get hurt like that? You know? So it Des Bryant was the guy d- that went down. It depends
2: but, when you draft. It depends when you draft. Because you had Jordy and you had Kelvin Benjamin, who are each considered top yeah, 15 true, wide true. receivers. So those are two big guys who went down very early. I think Kelvin Benjamin went down in the... You know, second week of training camp, yeah. and then Jordy went down to what preseason game number two uh, on a Saturday, and like that was my main draft was on a Sunday. Like, well, no, this is the, why you got to have your drafts. I'm telling you, after week three of the preseason,
3: you don't do your if you if you're in leagues, figure out a day during the week or, or whatever. Because we always do ours the Wednesday before the first Thursday night game. That's the best way. So to do everyone it. you have everyone has all the proper information. Yeah. But. With
2: you being in five leagues, you can't do them all on one night,
3: bro. No, I know. <laughs> but, but, but they're all done within, five? within, no, that was down, I'm, I'm down to four now. Okay,
1: right. I'm down, I'm so down five to five. That's, that's great. Yeah. Which, I mean, how many, many were you when we first started this? Seven or eight. <laughs> there we go. Okay. So we're, we're
2: weeding them out. Yeah. So just sort of looking at the running back position, in terms of, you know, fantasy points scored by a team, here are the first four teams. You can sort of see what they all have in common. So, Arizona running backs scored 23.2. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles sc- were second. They scored 22.7. Uh, New Orleans Saints scored 22.5. New England Patriots scored 22.2. Uh, so, sort of those high pyro power ranking teams in running backs, they've all got a split. And then looking at it, you got the Minnesota Vikings. But then after that, You've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Doug Martin, Charles Sims, who's an underrated player this season. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, And then you've got Atlanta Falcons, who are carried by uh, Devonta Freeman. But, you know, who we expected from Tevin Coleman earlier. Right, right. Well, you did. (laughs) <laughs> I, no, I didn't. I, I, I didn't expect anything
3: from either of them. Okay. So I will. I, I will stay by what I said. I. Devonta Freeman surprised the, the effing hell out of me. this well, year Well,
4: to give you a, a tip of the hat, Stags. I remember we were doing a, a podcast, and this was before he broke out. He was one of your uh, flex picks, and that, it was a great... that,
2: that, that was the week he paid off. Yeah, because that was before he had done anything. Basically, he's the only running back there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's we yelled at Stag Party a lot last summer on why you like Devontae Freeman. The same reason I yell
0: Bell, Bell Verde! My curiosity is killing me just like a cat would be killed. By the curiosity, yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, of the top ten teams, only two of these teams had a true workhorse running back. So every team is sort of going with a little bit of a split. You've either got a guy who's taking third down work. You got a guy who's taking goal line work. You got a guy who's taking you know all the carries. So you gotta find a way to find the guy. Like if you can get AP, but you gotta I was, spend an early pick on
1: him. I, but I'll tell you, with AP, even as an owner of AP, he was getting way too. McKinnon was getting way too much opportunity. That first game, remember? After the first game, everyone was like, "Oh my God, I drafted AP with the first overall." Zimmer gave him what? 11 carries Or something like that Then all of a sudden You're wondering If Zimmer is still giving him, give, giving him Yeah, saying But giving him shit Because of You know The off season That he went through Last year And you're just like Oh my god Did I screw up You thought it was no way that AP could. There was McKinnon was getting a lot of action. McKinnon
2: didn't get anything until the last four games of the season. Who's who's the uh, who's the uh, Asiata?
1: was getting a lot of third. It was just like even when even on tries where AP is crushing it, and he can catch out of the backfield. He was never. I mean, it's so frustrating. He was never in on third down. Never. And so to think what AP was able to do, even where I even think that that the Vikings were installing this kind of. Oh,
4: they're giving the ball to a number of do There is sort of this committee, even in that situation. Well, I've lovingly named it uh, the community. When you've got three, and heck, you, you know New York Giants, they had four guys in their rotation at times. You got teams going be well so, beyond So, what are, the, what are the levels here? We got committee, we got community, community. So what's four? I was. I we was, said it was. We said it was county. <laughs> it,
1: it was like, like, in, I live in Cook County, so if you got like if you're the New York Giants, it's the county
2: you got them, right. like, too many guys. got a county, oh, of running, yeah. backs. A county like of running back. I like running backs. We're patenting this shit. Yeah.
4: So, <laughs> being that that workhorse running back is kind of a bit of a dinosaur position. Don't really have many teams doing that. One, I think going forward next year. Uh, I've never been a, a handcuff guy. Not that we're getting personal, but. Um, <laughs>
1: That's for you, baby. That's for you, baby.
4: Um but never been a handcuff guy, but however, if I do end up with one of those workhorse, you can bet one of the, the things I, I think I swung and missed at or I didn't do properly. And by the way, if you don't do this exercise that we're talking about, going back and looking at past drafts, I mean in life in general, right? Looking at mistakes you've made in the past, uh, thinking about your Past decisions, that's a a great way to, you know, improve your future, right? Absolutely. Um, Same thing here in fantasy. So do the exercise we're talking about. Go back and actually look at your draft, not only what you picked, but what other guys in your league picked. And a place where I I messed up on the Pyro League, drafted Lev Bell, did not lock up a handcuff. And and why looking, why the hell not? Lev Bell was out for the first couple games. Why didn't I get
2: Willie? That was stupid. But then the thing is, you would have dropped him. You would have dropped him in week four, Probably. and I would have had a top 10 running back picking up off the waiver wire. Like, there's there's a lot of things in hindsight, like, yeah, I could have done better. Like, you can't predict all these things that happen in the NFL, so you got to be ready to be fluid on that weekly basis. you got to be ready to pick up the Tim Hightowers, you know, over the CJ Spillers. you got to make the right moves, because, you know, you look at that, you know, suddenly, you know, it's a Wednesday. You've got... 10 minutes to make a move before anybody else knows about this. Do you pick CJ Anderson or do you pick Tim Hightower? Like, you're thinking about this is one of those sort of pickups that's like, hey, CJ Anderson's been the guy. Tim Hightower's been nowhere near this fucking team. And then suddenly it's like, okay, I got the second guy. And yeah, it's the second choice, but it's better. And, but, see, I, I took
1: two guys in one league over uh, Hightower. I took, what is it was Cadet and. Uh, Spiller. The league that I won, I took Hightower.
3: Here's the thing I'll tell you about running backs. we talk about the workhorse back? You know what? This year we only had one running back with more than 300 rushing attempts. That was Adrian Peterson. You go back five years, 2010, you had eight, and you had Maurice Jones drew who had 299 carries. It's Completely devolved. That's why when everyone's going, okay, oh, I've got to get this top running back, whatever, the fact is that the top running back changes every year, that there are no workhorse backs anymore, the ball is getting spread around, and there are are hardly that many running backs that are breaking 60, 70 yard runs for touchdowns anymore.
4: However, think, you know, Jamal Charles got injured, LeBell got injured. So there's a few that did get injured. And so what I'm suggesting is if you land one of those, even though there's few, if you land one of those workhorse guys, I'm gonna to look to look at where his handcuff is going ADP, and I might draft him around early just to ensure. Now, one thing I noticed doing our exercise, looking back in my high school league, six of the nine running backs taken in the first round were either busts, a la Lacey, maybe even CJ Anderson. I kind of Boss, Jeremy. In there. Jeremy Boss.
2: Hilt. Don't you try and get? Don't you try and take C.J. Anderson out of the bus Four <laughs> <He was about laughs> were injured. Lynch or Charles?
4: <laughs> so six of the nine injured or did not live up to expectations. Run? Or I'm sorry, wide receivers. Nine taken in the first two rounds. One was lost to injury.
2: Des. and maybe two were disappointments. Calvin and Cobb. Depending so, on when you drafted. Because you got to throw in the Nelson. Because some people draft in August, man. They draft right, early, right, right, right. so you got to throw in the Nelson draft. Well, early, those I'm just saying, saying but, but
1: Cobb, Cobb, was and and Calvin. I'm saying for like, six, six
4: of nine running backs wow, you complained about, whether from injury or bust. Nine wide receivers in the first two rounds, in only maybe three you would complain about. So again, odds are better going wide receiver.
1: One question I've got for you guys: Let's think about it. I like the point that you made. Okay, so Le'Veon's we're gonna expect he's coming back healthy. You got um, mm-hmm. the the other the other uh, running back that you you Jamal mentioned, Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles coming back healthy. Gurley, okay, now Gurley looks like a dynamic, explosive player. We like what we saw from an Adrian Peterson, thirty Schmerty. He's he's you know he's still getting the most carries, and he's 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 probably he's the best running back. Who else? And looks like uh, Lynch, who's been a stalwart for the last handful of years. Might retire, but even if he doesn't, he doesn't look to be the same. Who else besides these four that we just mentioned could potentially? Arians out of the mix, even if he's healthy, they don't. Even, they're not. He's not even gonna be back on Mark, the Texans. Doug, yeah, Doug. You got to throw he Doug Martin the piss
2: out of me. And Devonta that. Devonta Freeman. But yeah, I I agree that they're both Those risky scared. fucking propositions. I agree that these. I'm not sitting here standing up for these guys, but these guys are at least in the conversation. I agree. Doug yeah. Martin. Devonta Freeman and depending on where Lamar Miller ends up, I Lamar was say Miller,
4: Lamar Miller.
1: Yeah. Besides that, like David David Johnson. Murray. David, 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 Johnson. Johnson. David Johnson? David Johnson, yeah, David Johnson. Now, Lamar Murray, do you like him staying? Lamar or do you Miller like or, or or La, Murray? Latavius yeah. Murray? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Lamar, Which one are we talking Lamar,
3: about? Lamar Miller. We're combining the most of Latavius
2: Is that like a baseball player? Like the the combination of Latavius Murray and Lamar Miller would be awesome. I'd the, rather have that player than either. Who was
1: the first baseman for the Orioles? Murray. No, Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray. Switch hitting it. Eddie Murray. I love that guy. I, if I could smoke dope with any uh, baseball player in the history of baseball, it would be him or Willie Stargill. Ooh, okay. Just letting you know my weed preferences and why i, when I <laughs> baseball.
3: I would just want to party one night with with Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mantle? Can I mean, you imagine how much craziness was going on? I'm thinking Daryl Strawberry
1: and Doc Gooden. <laughs> yeah but you may, not, go, you, you may You may end up like with, the, I, uh, Yeah you may end
3: up In a hospital uh,
1: Under cardiac arrest Yeah <laughs> Go the way of Len Bias Oh too mm. soon mm. That happened 30 years ago Yeah that's okay <laughs>
2: that's too soon no,
3: Half the people listening Don't even know who Len Bias is or was Fair enough
2: Only because of 30 for 30 Yeah that's <laughs> right That's true
1: So Those guys What do you think I, if, if do we knowing, get to, How many did we get to Do we get to 8 I think that's I think that's 6 Yeah I think it's, we're about 7 no, 7 7 with David Johnson Yeah Okay so. So if you're in a 10, 12 man league, I mean, is David Johnson a first round pick? Oh yeah,
4: it's got to be.
1: I, I agree with him more than a D- Doug Martin or, or 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 Freeman. I can't do. I, I see. For I, me, I, I've, yeah, David I've, Johnson's a first rounder. I, agree. I have
3: completely flipped my whole script on it now. Where you know you'd always say, okay, you still want to get that top running back just because? I'm done. Mm-hmm. I want those wide receivers because you know what? They are more consistent. Now the two that were the struggles, the Calvin Johnson and the Randall Cobb. Uh, Cobb has always been a guy that's be, done the benefit of be, By being with the other guys around him He completely struggled as being the main guy Calvin Johnson, now we're hearing him Talk about retirement and stuff It, it, you know, it, it just fell apart on him But he was a guy that's been doing it more I'd be looking at I, I want to focus all my attention on the wide receivers That are in years 3-6 to six In their primes that, are, that have proven it and done it
1: before now well, I'll draft them
3: with my first 2-3 picks
1: One question it didn't turn out because he got injured, but yeah. in the league that I won, kind of people were having that process. Let's say, let's say in in, in this in in the league that you're in, everyone's got that mentality. Yeah. And now, Antonio, Julio, uh, ODB, um, you know, all the 7, seven the first round Yeah. All it's seven wide receivers and Gronk are gone. Now are you are you levy on bound? Are you how are you? Yeah, well, of course. You're always going to be determined based on what happens in front of
3: you. But the fact is that has not yet happened. You know, and I would tell you this: look at look at my league from last year. It was more different than I'd ever seen. At least at the top, we had Rob Gronkowski was the third pick in our draft, but it was still running back, running back, tight end, running, back, starts- running back, running back, running back, running back, quarterback. And then the run of the wide receivers, one, two, three. You start scoring
2: points at 40 for the tight ends, though, just for reference, right? 30. 30, 30 for 30? tight ends, 40 for running backs and wide receivers. Uh, the thing is, there's also, like, we're talking crap about Calvin Johnson, but Calvin Johnson is younger than Brandon Marshall, who finishes as a top three wide receiver. Who's so, the guy I'm going to be so,
1: talking about on my so, draft list?
2: So the age thing, yeah, like, whatever. Like, it is what it is. Like, you could. Is you guys, Brandon Marshall older than Calvin? Yeah, buddy. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, buddy. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. So, to
4: d- your point, D Rex, I'm going to be interviewing Matt Harrison very soon. He's with uh, League Safe. Uh, post, I've interviewed him now two times. He'll be uh, he'll be getting my Golden Trio Award for I love I love that the
3: Golden Sombrero <laughs> Award. I'll tell you that
4: much. He's really good. He's very good. And of course, he's you know works with Paul Chargin, and that's where you hear the the do the opposite. And let's keep in mind, although you know Houdini, I'm lockstep with you on going wide receiver first couple picks. You got to keep in mind the draft is a fluid thing, and you can really mess yourself up if you go into it and don't react to what's in front of you. So if, because it very well could happen next year, the, this year was the year of the wide receiver, maybe we see next year uh, the draft, everybody loading up on wide receiver. In that case, do the opposite. You do the opposite of what's drafting. So I although I'm right with you do the wide receivers, remember the draft is a fluid thing and you've got to be open to make a move, make it uh, go off script if you need to.
2: I mean that's how this conversation got started. Like I said, I drafted the fifth running back instead of a top two receiver. Yeah. Like so, I, I have those choices again. I'm I'm doing the opposite. Like I'm taking just the top player available. Like and you know I I reached into tier three for a running back. I started my tier three instead of taking a tier one player. That was my first mistake. Like I don't know why. It's just I I only felt comfortable with a top. Ten running back and a top eight wide receiver, and I'll draw that line in my head again this summer. And unfortunately, it could work out for me. It could not. Like, but I'm gonna like I have that feeling. Like, this is the only way I feel comfortable, and I'm gonna make moves later to offset that. And I
1: love, I love that you've been singing, singing these praises for about five weeks now. Take the best guy available now. That's the way to go for the best team. Here's why we don't do it, and the reason why you didn't do it last week. And we've got it all this offseason, and one of the things we got to teach is to remove this thought process. We all think about our teams on paper. After your draft, you're sitting there and you're like, holy shit, do my running backs suck! There's not even week one hasn't even started yet. <laughs> you're, week one hasn't started yet, but you did the wide receiver thing. You got one of the top. The QBs, maybe you had a good tight end. And you're like my receiver, yeah. my running back stink. I but, drafted
2: Devonta Freeman in the 14th round, and then oh, Christy Michael suddenly gets traded to the Dallas Cowboys, and then oh, Devonta Freeman's no longer on my roster.
1: <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like it
2: just on You're paper. going on. You got to let a game play. Paper. You can.
1: You got to not think that way, especially with these running backs. And if you're doing that heavy wide receiver thing, don't get caught about the team on paper, because you will look at your team and be like crap. My running back suck. Let it play out. Get that depth, and, and, and it's, it's, it's going to be so valuable, so that you don't make that mistake and drop the guy at the wrong time, or you don't get the value here. And the position at running back, we know, is so volatile that you can
3: pick guys up. You can. Here's advice on how to avoid having that happen to you. The paper, the, menta- the the paper, paper mentality. paper is looking at it and going that I have no, uh, you know, I, I have no running backs. I have no this. You're always only looking at your own team. You're in a 12-team league, huh? look around the rest of the league and look at everyone else's starting lineup and what you're going to find is you're going to go, oh, they got holes here, they got holes here,
0: yeah.
3: and every team has got holes. So don't let that dictate how you, how, how you look at it, right? So don't, don't freak out prematurely. And this is the other thing that happens too. People look at what happens in weeks one and week two, and they're like, oh my god, I have to make wholesale changes to my team. You know, the NFL is not like baseball, where you're in the first two or three weeks, you're playing 20, 20 games already, you know, in three weeks or two weeks. 14 you know, twelve games. You, you're playing one game, so there's so many things that are different from week to week. Matchup. Well, what's the situation? Was there a weather condition? Was there anything? That, all these different factors that are going on, and maybe the person. Were they down was, early, so they weren't so ready? Were exactly. Early,
1: so they stopped passing.
3: So it's so hard to make a quantitative decision. Like you really don't know that much about the NFL season as a whole until you get to about week six, seven, eight. That's when you finally have. have Flushed out the the, the bullshit wonders from one week, this, that, or the other thing, and and it becomes a much clearer vision at that point in time,
1: which is why we always say, too, it's the waiver wire where you're going to dominate. And before you go quickly, because yes. this is something I, uh, that I've worked on, and we're doing an op-ed piece that we're all kind of talking about the things we're looking at this season that we're really focusing in to get ourselves excited and amped up for the 2016 season. One of the things I noticed is the teams that did the worst on the waiver wire were the ones that went ballistic in the first four weeks. Right. You're going and you're going nutty and you're like, oh, hey, this guy had seven catches and you go nuts. Hold on because of waiver wire status, because some of those guys come in a little bit more like week five, some of the injuries, or you can actually say, hey, this guy's got a position on the team. Uh, but I noticed in a trend that I was doing in the article, in the, the snippet I was reading, that the first four weeks of pickups, every team's going ballistic. I actually, I don't know why, but I didn't do one the first four weeks. And I'm looking at the guys that are picked up and dropped. And it was just garbage. And so just be smart about that. If you've got a waiver wire on a claims process, don't blow your nut just on some guy because he had seven catches because you might really miss out on the gem.
4: Well, one thing I'm going to do, is, you know, speaking to that, on DFS, I don't think I'm going to play DFS until week four. Maybe. Week, week three, week four, once you kind of get a feel for the season. Depending on
2: if it's still legal in your
4: state. <laughs> <laughs> get a feel for what exactly is going on because so many things change. Another thing I'm going to be doing next year is, I think, really trying to active trade. I mean, yeah, I trade and I'm always throwing out stuff, but look at how many guys either started the season hot and ended cold, vice versa, or guys that had just you know clusters of four or five games. Like For example, you drafted Cooks. Baldwin, or Ginn, you probably dropped them or weren't really too happy after the first half of the season, and then they blow it up the second half. On the other side of the coin, Danny Woodhead, James Jones. Great first couple weeks started, and then they kind of fizzled out. So, uh, I'm going to definitely really look to take advantage of those clusters. Guys that are sell high, buy low kind of thing.
3: You know, this is almost the other thing that you have to be able able to preach. Well, Here's what's stressful, is that the teams that are also doing all these things are usually the teams that are not doing very well so they they lost maybe after 3 weeks you're either 0 and 3 or 1 and 2 and now you're making wholesale changes and that's what leads to you having a bad year because you're just basically going Ugh, i'm going to fix it all right now and you yep. you can't have that mentality you got to understand again it is fluid it does and it changes and it and it morphs and it, and, it, and it ebbs and flows so you have to roll with it and there are times where you you maybe scored the second highest amount of points in the week but you played against the guy that scored the highest points and you lost but there are other times where you eke out victories it's it's a long season but people in, in the first five weeks they tank themselves, and they make it so that it's easier for these other teams that have gotten maybe an easy victory or a lucky victory here or there to ascend. Because now, when you're three and zero or you're two and one, you're not as likely to be running to the waiver wire to be going, "Oh, I got to make wholesale changes."
1: Yeah, I think Stags' um, best player available throughout a 18 to 24 round draft helps prevent and gives you the team and the depth that you don't. There's nothing wrong with making trades. Always you need to be hitting the waiver wire. But if you're doing the best guy available, there's something about that bust or that lackluster guy that starts out cold. Slot another guy in there. You, and, and instead of other draft uh, scenarios where you're just trying to fill in positions. I need six of these. I need two of those. I think the best guy available will help uh, Will help ward off those being worried after two weeks if your team's not doing great.
2: Basically, sample size is not large enough until week six in the NFL. You can't make any true determination of a team's strength and or weaknesses until them what they like to do, what their tendencies are, how they play the game until after week six. Yeah, that sucks. That's half the fucking fantasy season. Yeah. We know you have to be a little more reactive than that. Huh. But if you can make, you know, just little tinkers here and there. So one of the things I'm going to do is after I draft the team, I'm not going to fucking make a single move until after week one. That was the worst mistake I've ever made. I drafted a guy, you know, I liked a guy I liked a lot more just because the situation changed,
1: you know. So a guy I, that you put your you you put in the ring that was one of the guys. Yeah, I, I, had, up, I had money had, in the you, stock. <laughs> you had you were vested in that guy. I had a vested interest mentally, financially, and just your experience being an expert
2: no i i had stock like one of the things that comes out of being you know an expert is you put your stock at certain guys yeah. you've either got to put up or shut up like dog taught me that like he's like well this is one of the reasons i'm an unrelenting asshole on my guys like he's like if you have a guy you have to have your guy like, don't let anybody tell you different, yeah. or else. Because if you're gonna waver on your guy, what's the point? But with dogs oh, oh, got. Oh,
1: but I, dogs got 175 guys. Yeah, well, no, I, all dogs, no, dogs, dogs ever <laughs> got every guy. I
3: want to make the, the, the piggyback point to what you're just saying right now, because is I and I think that we people who, those of us here at this table who've all been playing fantasy football for a long time, don't fall into this trap. But as we've done this website, as we've answered every, all of our our, uh, our questions that come in and second opinions and everything. I find it amazing how many people are willing to drop their first, second, or third-round draft pick within the first three weeks of the season. And, you know, that's, that's crazy talk right there. There are, you know, yes, there are guys that, sure, you know, it's not turning out for you with, like, C.J. Anderson the way that you anticipated it. We all three of us here had him, but we didn't drop him. You know, and, and, you're, and, and you can't, and or, you're, or you're not just immediately trading the guy. I'll give you a case in point. And I learned it early. It was the year. I can't remember what year it was. It had to be 90... 90,
2: 99 or 91.
3: 99 or whatever. It was was Barry Sanders' year, where Barry Sanders started out the first two games and had, I think, about a total of about 60 yards rushing in the first two games. It was a year that he went for 2,000 yards or right around 2,000 yards. And I traded him to get, like, oh, okay, I'm feeling good about something. And then Barry goes ballistic. And
2: he goes ballistic, <laughs> and it was and that's Houdini's team name for one of his
3: 18 leagues. That sounds good. And but that <laughs> was the, got be a but That was a wake a up point. Way. That was a wake up call. That says, all right, you drafted a guy as a top guy for a reason. You don't just jump ship that early in a season.
2: I will never. And you can bench
3: him, but you don't. But don't drop him. But, but Eddie Lacy,
1: C.J. Anderson, those kind of guys this year, it wouldn't have been a bad idea. I agree with you, but. I agree. You can't train, you can't drop them, but there, there. Sometimes it's if you're if you're holding on to the 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 oar on the sinking ship for too long, you you lost your season.
4: And that's exactly right. Uh, one of the things I wrote down was you know don't give up on a guy too early, uh, but and it's a
1: fickle mistress.
4: Yes. yes of finally. when to do it and when not. For yeah. example, I remember I texted Dog uh, and. Um, Oh, Johnson, Charles Johnson, saying, hey, I'm doing right up I, I think I'm going to sell on him. It's like, no, don't give up too early. That was a guy, though, that I wasn't seeing. It, I think it was after week three. Mm-hmm. And that was the case I was, was right. But in, you've really got to do your research, I think, and look beyond just what he's putting up, but situationally, uh, how the team is doing. Um, but there are certainly guys out there, Allen Robinson, if Charles you Charles Johnson, mother, motherfucker.
3: Talk about a guy that just was looking so good in preseason yep. and just as dog would say, shit the bed.
1: He yep. got everyone. He he got everyone I good. I was looking in my I was looking on this list, the same team yep. that grabbed CJ Anderson, grabbed him, he had all these uh, everyone that was like potentially could be a superstar, but totally fell off the cliff. He took all of them, but Charles Johnson.
4: I tried shopping Joseph him. Randall. After three, yes. I dropped him after three weeks, and I remember I text the dog, and he's like, no, it's too early, too early, but that was one... You, the running was on the wall, I thought, with him. Yep. He just wasn't doing it. They were going Snaps to him, and, and or Bridgewater st- targets just...
2: Targets, and Bridgewater yeah. sucking cock.
1: And that was before... That was six weeks before even uh, the, the rookie... Uh, I don't know Stephon they, Diggs. Yeah, yep. Diggs was showing up. Yeah, that was...
4: That was problematic. There was something off early.
1: Other than the spectrum,
4: up. Alan Robinson's guy I was big on, I got him after week four. So someone dropped him. If you look at his <laughs> Isn't first crazy? four games, his first four games PPR, he went above 12 points once mm-hmm. in his first four games. Did it in every single other game except once. So every other game besides week, the first four, Four. Was he one. was over 12 points was except th-
2: the other one Indy
3: Anyone, you want to know what though?
4: Yeah. Twins. <laughs> you sir have won an all expenses paid trip to beautiful Guam <laughs> but I can get <laughs> <laughs>
3: I was in the same boat as you because I in a league picked up L. Robinson after someone dropped yep. them then too it's like yep. and I, I, I remember looking at it going Alan Robinson's on the waiver why Me him? too. Yeah, and he, I loved him. So this is another key reason why you shouldn't make a move necessarily after week one. Just wait. There's going to be a bunch of morons in your yeah. lead. They're going to drop some top talent. You're going to go, oh yes. my god, this guy's available week two. They all wasted their waiver priority. I just went from waiver priority 10 to waiver priority 3. Stolen. See, Other is,
1: people's garbage is... Uh, what's the line? One person's treasure. garbage is another person's trade. Oh, I thought you
3: said you're down with OPP. Yeah, you know me.
1: <laughs> I am. Well, I'll tell you this. With Alan Robinson... I, in my keeper league, I took him in the with the last pick of the tenth round. I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to be my eighth round pick next year. Can I be in down. your league?
3: Because he went in my fifth round of my of my league.
1: Allen Robinson. Al Robinson. And so then in, in in that league, I was of I was the guy that didn't play him for the first six no. weeks. I'm looking at the numbers with Allen Robinson. I had a stack team. It was a smaller league. Uh, but Allen Robinson I only scored 128 Of his 270 points On the season Because I was so stacked at wide receiver And had Steve Smith lighting it up That I had to keep him in there And then all, I wasn't even getting All those points out of that freaking guy Because it was just ugh
4: And those first four weeks, if you look, so when I was saying, you know, this is why I listen to Pyro, we don't have lives, so you listeners can, (laughs) because we're doing the legwork. but if you looked at Charles Johnson, I thought the writing was on the wall, Teddy Bridgewater, it's not going to get it done, if they're going to win, it's going to be on the ground, they're not going to have high-scoring games. However, with Allen Robinson, on the other hand, you knew they were going to probably have some high-scoring games, and those first four weeks, who was the cornerbacks he was going up against? Well... Uh, the The Bates Motel, Josh Norman from Carolina. Uh, it was going up against New England, who had a fierce second year. Going up against Indy, who did really well against number one wide receivers. The only Lontan game. they <laughs> say. Yep, yep. And people didn't realize that, and they thought, oh, they're giving up on him, and they dropped him. It's kind of like uh, Eddie Lacy two years ago. His first four games were atrocious. A lot of people... I was all over trades trying to get him because his first four opponents
2: were super tough against the run. And then after those first four weeks, he excelled. But here's the thing, sort of going back to how we can, we're talking about how we need to take wide receivers early. But the flip side of that, here are guys I took in round six and lower in in, in a league. I took Deshaun Jackson, bust, but Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, Charles Johnson, and Martavis Bryant. Like, these guys have blow-up potential. And I feel like you can get a little oh. bit of blow-up potential late in the draft from a wide receiver. And, yeah, there needs to be a balance of running backs and wide receivers throughout your draft. You can't just sort of go through the first six rounds and draft all running backs and expect that to work out. And then go lay down wide receivers. Like, you, need, you just need to be balanced. And best player available is the best way to do that. Um, yeah. I mean, in my first, in the first pick in this draft though was Julio, so you know there was just studs all over my wide receivers position, mm. and you could still make trades. But then building off of that, like if you get your stud at like two positions, you get a stud at running back, you get a stud at wide receiver. I feel like you could take risks at other positions. You you, you yes. could draft two wide receivers, or you could draft two tight ends. Yes. So you could take you know say. I did this in a league where I drafted Antonio Gates and Travis Kelsey. Uh, I, I did this where I drafted Tyler Eifert and Zach Ertz. Did you have a flex position in that league? Those yeah. Leagues? Yeah. Here's the
3: thing too, because that was always the way that it would go. Like if you, when I was uh, drafting that running back, if I had like a one, two, or three pick, and I'm drafting a running back to start the draft, and I get an Adrian Peterson or this, this stud, then I the mentality of that is, I don't need to worry about a running back two. For three or more rounds You go in a so fucking tunnel vision. Because I have a guy who's going to put up what other guys are going to get from their two running backs as my one. So why do I need to double stack that position? I need to be grabbing all the other best of talent available. And then you take your, 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 your flyers and your shots and your dart throws at these running backs later. And every single year, there are so many running backs. Whether they be rookie running backs. Whether they be, you know, an injury happens and something. And, it, and they come out of nowhere. And they are not the top end guys. And they
4: produce. That's not like with those first couple picks, and I'm not saying load up wide receiver on your first five, right. but you know, two, three, probably. That's what I'm looking for. And then there is, you want to target. I was specifically building some, um, my high school draft around uh, Fitzgerald. We got him in the seventh round. Fantastic. So the, certainly pick a handful of guys and look at their ADP. And, you know, a uh, uh, Brandon Marshall would be another great one from this last year. Guys, you can get later. That's going to really help you. So you're certainly still getting the value. And I think, just like you said, you know, best Available best
2: talent available will never steer you wrong. Is everybody still on board with drafting quarterbacks late? Oh, okay, I am. God, yes. D- I mean, Dog went out there last week and said he was pissed at me for it. But I'm like, why? If you if you take the right one, you're good. Yeah. If you don't throw all your buckets with Sammy Biscuits and go for Sam, Sam Bradford. All all the cash. But also, if go Sammy for Car-
5: biscuits, if man. you go
2: for Carson Palmer instead of Sam Bradford, I like got Carson
4: in the 13th round in the Pyro League. Yeah, that's. I, I got Cam in a thirteenth round of the draft. What, what's that worth? Uh, a well, Cam in the thirteenth is worth a. Bell,
0: Verde. I am the type of person that, that doesn't talk negative.
2: Ever, ever. See, that's my thoughts. I am the type of person who doesn't talk negative about my guys.
3: guys I, got, <laughs> I got Eli Manning. I got Eli Manning at the end of the uh, ninth
1: round. Yeah, Eli teams. Manning at the In the league, my my oldest league since '88, and I'm, is it, there's only a 10 team league, but this is a league that, there are some super studs. This is, I think, the most competitive league I'm in. These teams are good. Ninth round, Russell Wilson. 14th round, Cam Newton. Mm. Mm. I did not play Russell Wilson, I think, based on matchup, uh, I think his first week, couple of weeks were, I did not play Russell Wilson once all season just think about that which is crazy Nine, because what he did that second round. half of that season was just on um, every week was a, was a monster game so yes i'm all about waiting on the cor- on the quarterback for sure Carson in, Palmer in that, in, the that 13th league, round in that league. In that league, I got in that league my last pick of the draft was um, Tyrod Taylor, mm-hmm. and uh, he you was, know what? And 10, I was top ten, yeah,
2: top eleven. Yeah. So. and he went undrafted
1: in my twelve-team league. So grabbed Derek Carr in the eighteenth round as well. So I walked out of that draft to twenty-four round draft. So it's a lot of players, but I had four QBs. Wait. Look at all that. I mean, 18th round Derek Carr, 14th Cam, and 9th
4: is Russell Wilson. ADP according to 4 for 4. So this was uh, early September, right before uh, the season really started. 25th quarterback off the board, Derek Carr. 24th, Tyrod Taylor. 23rd, Andy Dalton. And then, above that, you've got Winston and Marietta, who were some streaming darlings from week to week, depending on matchup. So, I'm all about streaming, uh, getting the quarterback late. And once again, I'll say it, the idea is not to stream every week, but the idea is to land a Tyrod Taylor, is to land a guy uh, like Carson Palmer, land a guy that you yeah. can use every week. I to hit a week. home
2: run. Like, streaming is the backup option to drafting a late-round QB. Like, the idea is to hit on Cam Newton... And to be done with it and laugh your dick yep. off And everybody else like That's the idea about drafting a late round QB You hit on your first guy And then you take it from there as you have to Because you could still get top 12 performances mm-hmm. Out of multiple Based quarterbacks yep. In terms of consistency Andy Dalton was the third most consistent Quarterback in terms of top 12 performances When he fucking played And Andy Dalton is a ginger scrub <laughs> <laughs> but It's also about Knowing your league's rules I was waiting
1: for you to end that with a giant you know, anti-statement sounded too lovely there for a minute
3: a a mistake that I made in my long time long standing league was that our rules are not about you know it's extra points for rushing yards and rushing touchdowns are worth more no it's just total yards for quarterbacks so there was like uh, like two or three years ago I drafted Kaepernick and it's like Oh, because all I'm the bonuses sorry. happen after you all after after three hundred <laughs> right, yards maybe. where point values instead of going up by one, that they matters. go up by two. So know where those rules are because that's why like a guy like Eli Manning for me waiting on it. and when I got him I'm like, Okay, I have there's either him or there's one other guy, I gotta go for it now because I can't get stuck into that realm where then it could have been like a guy who got taken right ahead of me who who I wanted, Tannehill. Glad that didn't happen. you know. So sometimes the, the, the planets just align for you and it works out. But know what those rules are. Know who are the guys. And, and, and don't leave yourself where if you know that you eight quarterbacks have already gone off the board and of those other ones that are potential for you to be solid because the quarterback still scores the most points in fantasy football. And you've got to have a quarterback that's giving you a consistent, strong production each week with the ability to have a huge game. Like, that's why Ben Rothersberger, it's amazing how far he falls when he still puts up games that's like, okay, Big Ben just through for 500 yards uh, and three touchdowns.
0: We won.
4: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you can, the quarterback scores the most points, but they all score points. That's the thing. There's so many quarterbacks. We talked about this being the year wide receiver. Well, somebody's got a pass on the ball. We had 12 quarterbacks thrown for over 4,000 yards, 11 quarterbacks threw 30 touchdowns or more.
3: And how many of those were Absolutely. guys that you wouldn't have expected? Blake Bortles and a- a- these type of guys that came Derek Carr come
4: out of nowhere and so to do the, it. The flip side of drafting late round quarterback or streaming is while other guys are grabbing... You know Drew Brees and uh, some of the higher-end guys. Why didn't we talk about Kirk Cousins yet? You're (laughs) Kirk Cousins. You can get right later. But while other guys are drafting the top five quarterbacks, you're snatching the running backs or the wide receivers that's going to really set you apart. Because wide receivers really has a differential over one versus the other. Whereas quarterbacks, they're all kind of in the same neighborhood.
2: I mean, let's just talk about the first five quarterbacks in terms of ADP. You got Aaron Rodgers. You got uh, Andrew Luck, no. you know what happened with him with his injury, and then after that, you get, either had the debate between Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning. Uh, Russell Wilson paid off. Let's just say Peyton Manning did. Let's just so, say to, no. to put it nicely. To put it nicely, and, and then uh, the and fifth,
1: Russell Wilson, <laughs> if you went too high on him, you probably had a kind of a, a the shitty year. start but of had, the season. You had, a, you had a bad start of the season, and you you were kind of done
2: with him by the time you started turning it on. Uh, and then the fifth quarterback at ADP was I can't even hmm. Matt Ryan. Drew Brees? Like, these are the guys you're talking about there. Drew Brees was pretty good, but he missed a game and you know, wasn't great unless he was at home. No, he wasn't
3: giving you the dominant type of performances that he was two, three years ago, where it was every game was 300 yards and two or three touchdowns.
2: Maybe Ben Roethlisberger was number five in your mm-hmm. league. But those, those, like, after quarterbacks one and two, quarterbacks three through six were all in the same tier that everybody talked about. But if you waited until tier you know, seven to twelve, you did better. Unless you drafted Ryan Tanner. But you got that tier seven to twelve two
3: or three rounds later. But the other thing is even those guys that are those second tier of quarterbacks, they're not getting drafted in your leagues until rounds three, yeah. four, five, six. So like then you wait till you know again I said I got mine in round nine I think what was your first quarterback draft Nine. We'll nine. Eight. that's a, yeah. eight. so that's seven. around that's a, you know that's where I want to be seven eight nine ten somewhere around there is where I want to grab my quarterback because like Mo said there's so many more uh, the, the difference in value that you get from those position players that have a that have the potential over what's going to be left is huge and you don't want to be grabbing all your late running backs and rounds 12, 13, 14, you want to be grabbing them in 7, 8,
1: 9 if you went wide receiver early or whatever the And case this is. this year, the quarterback position, if you did go super high on Luck, which in that league that I mentioned, that Russell Wilson it was the ninth and Cam was the 14th, in that league, Andrew Luck was the first overall pick. It's a heavy, heavy quarterback point league. In that league, Cam Newton had the most points by far. Um, but yep. Luck... Got hurt, actually was doing, uh, went before, uh, uh, but, uh, but, uh. <laughs> in the first round as well, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, those are two, that's Eddie Lacy level bus picks, in my opinion. Aaron Rodgers, if you're taking him in the first round this year, is as bad of a pick as you can have.
4: I don't think you should consider a quarterback until round three. No, because it's it's not about who, not only who you're getting, but it's about who you're not getting yes, with that pick. And if you look at addition,
2: uh, subtract, addition by subtraction, it's, it's called subtract. opportunity cost.
4: Well, and <laughs> L- 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 Berry. Berry. if you look at this year, I'm gonna Tom. get ya! World War III
0: happens in just a few seconds! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Let's <Lesbeau> vote Trump! <laughs> World War III coming before you know it!
2: Oh boy. <laughs>
1: Tom. We'll, we'll start with the we'll start with the <laughs> We're gonna blow up the border, and then black quarterbacks. Cam Newton, by
3: the way, went in the twelfth round of my league. Twelfth so, round of a twelve team. So this league. is why
4: you don't draft a quarterback early. Tom Brady was twenty one point five points per game. Number two, according to uh, the Pyro scoring, and F but, but basically, today.
2: let's but, remember Tom Brady. Nobody knew until real late that that suspension was coming off the board. Yeah. But I'm saying, and then suddenly you got a huge value out of yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom was Brady true. was
4: number two. And yeah. number 18, Josh McCown. The difference between them in the game three points. Three points a game. So two to 18. That The quarterbacks, yeah, they score a ton points of points. Points per game, yeah. Points per game. They score a ton of points. But it's marginal. They all
3: score a ton of points. But it, it also... like that. You want the guys, though, that have the potential to go ballistic and berserk, right? Because there are some of those guys that they end up... Okay, you're looking at it as an average. But did they put up... Uh, how many games were it? It was like 8 points, 12 points, and then they had a 60-point game? Or was it, you know...
2: Those are two different ends of the spectrum
3: there, Houdini. Well, that's what I'm saying, but there are those about so quarterbacks. Okay, I'm, I'm talking in my leagues with the ultimate bonuses. We have scored <laughs> <absolutely laughs> 80 points. But so, say 30 points or whatever. There okay? we go. So, 30 <laughs> points versus if you're getting... So, all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at the average and you're going, oh, wow, but was it all from one week? Was it all from, you know, was it two weeks? You know, is it... You want also want to have the guy that has the potential to have those big games, but on his bad games, he's scoring you 14, 15 points. Yeah. Not like when I had the Kaepernick on the bad games, I'm getting negative
0: two. Yeah. Ooh.
3: Kiss those biceps and go, bell thirty. Oh,
0: Let me tell you something right now. I'm going to get you, man. Yeah.
2: I'm going to get you.
0: (laughs) I
1: mean, even... Love your feistiness, buddy. (laughs) Even even Jameis
2: Winston's going out there and giving you double-digit fantasy. Like, there's different ways to construct a roster. So, guys, you know, you draft the Mark Ingrams, who's giving you eight fantasy points a week in standard leagues. You can draft Jameis Winston, who's giving you double-digit fantasy points every week out of the quarterback position. Uh, you could draft guys like ODB who've got a potential for 25 one week but have a five-point floor. A guy like Julio has that same thing. A guy like Antonio Brown sort of got that same thing. Nukes got that same thing. One of those, just all the top receivers seem to have a five-point floor but can still go off. So you got to learn how to balance the guys with giant fucking ceilings mm. and just nice, safe floors here and there. I That's mean, true. you can go, like I, my roster, you can just... Look back at this team and why I did it. I swung for the fences and I said, I want to be a championship team. I don't want a playoff team. Fuck the playoffs. I get nothing. Like, if, if you've got a league where you get nothing for, like, third place, I oh. always sing for the fences. Like, well, that's one of my things. Like, depending on my payout structure, like, when we're talking DFS and we're talking, like, leagues, like, depending on my payout structure... If it's set up a certain way that I'm not going to win money by being third place, I draft much differently than I do if it's a regular league with payouts for first, second, and third. This is so key. And this is the problem that most people have in fantasy.
3: You play to win this year. Everything should always be about winning. It's not about being competitive and having a good team and this and the other thing. You want to win the championship, whether that means that you make an aggressive trade move or you're you're, you're doing you know how you're building and, and constructing your team through the draft, and you know. And anyways, how many times is a fourth? What's a fourth place or a third place payout worth anyway? It's probably not even worth your entry fee. Nah, or, or, or you get your entry fee back. You the winning teams well, have to
1: win, of course. But the one thing, and yeah, I like I like I like it. the way that Snag says you got to construct it. Think about it like it's like a Tetris. Puzzle. If you're gonna go with that, if you're gonna go with that slow and steady Mark Ingram, you're gonna have to offset that somewhere with a high explosion guy that could bust on you. Basically, you don't want to be like a one man gangbang. Mm -hmm. So you're walking in a room and you're either gangbanging, you got 12 chicks on you, or you walk into the room on some weeks and you got Marlena Bavitt with a knife about to cut your cock off. So you've got to be able to balance it so you're basically always
2: banging like four broads. I, I mean, my, my team name was Hopkins and Bums because that's how I felt about my team <laughs> by the end of the year. But basically, I'll just go through the first nine rounds. You, I, I swung for the fences. You, It's heavy payouts to first and second. Mm-hmm. So it's like 800 and 400 in a 12-person league. So CJ Anderson, swing for the fence, ODB, uh, then back to DeAndre Hopkins, then Jonathan Stewart, Uh, Joseph Randall. Who was the first pick? uh, C.J. Anderson. Uh, Jonathan Stewart, Joseph Randall, Sammy Watkins, then to Devontae Adams.
1: You're awesome at receivers. Terrible at running backs.
2: uh, T.J. Yeldon, and uh, finished, we'll call it, round nine with Tony Romo. But I I got some good value late in the draft, but I swung for the fences. That's the reason I missed. Like, if I would have taken a guy... You know, over T.J. Eldon, who's just... Or slow and steady. Or a guy over Devontae Adams, who's just that sort of consistent force when I've already got all this... I've got, I've got DeAndre Hopkins, who we didn't think would be this good, but who we thought would be fucking good. You're and pro- I've got Odell Beckham, who I know is real fucking good. So I could have drafted maybe a guy like, uh, I don't know, Larry Fitzgerald, who, who just would have got me some steady points. And guys like that, like, just being able to offset my team on a weekly basis provides me a much different strategy than,
4: you know, all or nothing.
2: And when
4: you swing it for the fences, which I agree, you're playing to win the game, but not playing to get second place or third place or or whatever it is. Uh, But that's why I want to swing for the fences with wide receivers or running backs early. As I said, with quarterback this last season, difference between 2 and 18 points per game, 3. The difference between the number 2 and number 18 wide receiver was 7 Double of that of a quarterback. Running back was even more. The difference between number two and number 18 was eight points per game. So when I'm swinging for the fences, I'm not wasting early round picks on quarterbacks. I'm throwing early round picks on probably wide receivers more. Uh, running backs. If there's question marks there, as we said, it's volatile. They get hurt. You don't know from year to year. You know. Whereas I'm drafting a, a Joseph Randall in the fourth round. Lots of question marks there. I should have gone for a more secure uh, wide receiver. Whereas a guy like uh, David Johnson went in the sixteenth round. So I'm. Swinging for fences early with wide receivers and then using some later round picks for my running backs because there's just so much volatility there. So
2: to sort of just complete Mo's thing, yeah. and, and at the tight end position, it's 5.5 points between number 2 and number 18. Yeah,
3: well, and I was also... That's another
2: reason you can stream. The, that position. I think
3: it's always, though, I think it's smarter to swing for the fences. So, like, in my main league, it's, it's long touchdowns are worth more. So I was like, I went into it with the mindset of, I don't want to get that little plugger guy. I'm not going early on and going after pluggers. I'm going after guys that have a chance to butt plugs. <laughs> yeah, butt plugs. I don't want the butt plugs. I want, I want hair plugs. I want, I want to extend what
2: I got. You want here. the Urlackers? Yes. Yeah. I got, <laughs> a, I got
1: a quick, funny butt butt plug story. I bought a pair for one girlfriend. Started dating another girl. Had some butt plugs out of the wrapper. She's like, "What are these? Like butt plugs?" She's like, "They're not." Have you used them before? I'm like, uh... It's like, throw those away. Those things aren't coming in. I'm like, I put them in the dishwasher.
0: <laughs> I am the Lord and Master of the Ring. <laughs>
1: And the butt plug. True story.
0: She's like,
1: what the fuck? I'm out of the the package. D Rex, I'm
3: sitting here looking at you going, what the fuck? Okay, so our audience is listening to you going, what the fuck? I'm having a good time. Yeah, I think
4: the same scenario happened in Romeo and Juliet. (laughs)
3: Love struck Romeo, stuck a butt plug up my ass. Uh, So. Oh Swinging for the fences, I had the uh, the eleventh pick out of twelve. When Julio Jones first, CJ Anderson second. Uh, third round grabbed Mike Evans, another big potential guy. Fourth round grab Latavius Murray. Where were his long touchdowns that were supposed to be be there for him? Wasn't there?
2: Stop knocking on laxatives, Murray. Well, then stop
3: talking about the was autocorrect.
2: He, was, com- was he fourth?
1: <laughs> that yeah,
3: but then I got I got I went for Nelson Aguilar, seeing what he was doing in the preseason. Ugh. Then I got Martavis Bryant <sighs> around six, you know. So the yeah,
1: Eagles just did, they, just, delivered oh, so they, many they, they were horrible.
3: And then I grabbed Geo Zach Ertz, which didn't pay off, but they got top tight end. I know, but it was it came later, it, it came later, in the season, really. So, right, so Ertz just got paid. One yeah, of the best
2: combinations, but, one of the best combinations out there. Was to have Eifert and Ertz. Let me say
1: that's literally what I was about to do. I have it. I only <laughs> Those have, were like
3: our two favorite so,
1: tight ends at the, yes, in, the, in, the, in, the in the preseason. The season, in, in 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 my Kelsey. in my one in my pizza pup league, ninth round. Oh my god! After I took Zach Ertz as the first tight end, I really labored over this one because it took me a while. Got zero of his hundred and twenty eight point five points <laughs> in the season. So never played him once. Must have dropped him. The next pick after who I thought was going to come back to me was Martavis Bryant. That owner got 180 of his 192 fantasy points wow.
2: played him every week.
1: <laughs> but two rounds later, round 10, Eifert. I took Allen Robinson as oh, we talked about. Right, yeah, right. So, but I was on the I was on the the edge and the next pick Tyler Eifert. There you go. Yeah, I knew there was something a little. You guys know how much I loved Eifert all season.
2: I loved I. Um, how how did you possibly let that happen? Your guy was Eifert. He was always ahead of Ertz. I know we all liked uh, uh, you know Ertz. We all liked Eifert. But how'd you let Eifert slip ahead or, or the opposite? How'd you let Ertz slip ahead of Eifert?
1: I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I must have gone by the audience and known that I was gonna re come back on an Eifert and kind of. Felt the audience, which isn't a great move. Kind of worked out in this one, but... I don't know, I must have just known. Eifert I knew no one was after, and I when I took that Hurts, I was just like... It was a dumb pick. I should have just gone... I should have gone with that Martavis Bryant. <laughs> should have gone and, with and the guy. No one, no one I was going with, and, and no I was going with uh, Eifert. But, Eifert. but then who it, knows? ninth would have been too early for Eifert. So I doubled down, and I did that actually in the other league. In the league that I won, and it paid off because Eifert got hurt. I did a Kelsey... I for two rounds later, so I to be honest, I like that move. But do the tight end? I got if if you get two of the top five tight ends that you love the most, and do it in that nine or eight to eight to ten zone. Amen, dude. Because with a flex, you can play the tight end if something happens and they get banged up. Amen.
3: Now in my one of my keeper leagues where it's uh, auction league. Okay, so it doesn't matter what round you're in. It's a matter of. When the guy's coming up. And you talk about, I had Jimmy Graham going in as my tight end. So... Boom! Right. Figuring out you're okay. This team ended up, I had the finish with the best record with the most points. And why? I'll tell you exactly why. I was at the very end of the auction where I was saving money and I'm like, and I had, I think I had, I had Tannehill as a quarterback already on the roster, but I'm like... You know what? I've been listening to you guys in this in this preseason. Talk to me about Carson Palmer. Talk to me about about Tyler Eifert. And I sat there and waited toward the end of the draft where I would spent uh, some big money on on, on a, uh, a, 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 a I think it was a, a wide receiver, maybe it was a Dez or something that ended up going down or whatever. Whoa. Yeah, Exactly. But then I grabbed eleven dollars, eleven dollars in a fourteen team league, Carson Palmer. And then I steal Tyler Eifert for $4. What was your budget? $200. Oh. So, you know, and, and it's just about understanding. And that's the, the other thing that's so key when you're doing those auction leagues is that, you know, you, you, you get these names all come up and everyone starts throwing all their money out. And it's like you definitely got to go early and grab a couple studs. But then if you can wait and hold to the point where when you get – because it's always about – Five to seven guys toward the end that just haven't gotten brought up yet. That if they were brought up early, would go for a lot higher, but everyone's kind of out of money. And if you're smart <laughs> enough, and if you saved that like last $50 if you've budgeted your team right, that you could just make steals toward the end of an auction. And those were two steals that became guys that were my bench guys to start, but by week three were starting every single game and... Uh carry, best carry, player, carry, best carry carry mentality,
2: yeah, QB five and tight end five, pretty much, in you know, standard scoring. But that that's another thing. Like, after like round eight, like, yeah, we say to load up on running backs and wide receivers more. But the difference between a round eight running back and a round ten running back is negligible. So if there's two great fucking quarterbacks still out there, you can get Cam and Russell Wilson in you know rounds of eight and round ten, fucking go for it. Because you can always fleece somebody in a trade for a quarterback. You I've can, traded, I've you traded could, Russell
1: Wilson two out of the last three years for good uh, Lamar Miller last year. Yeah. I mean, you, you you can trade these quarterbacks. Couldn't agree more.
2: Yeah, once Andrew looks down, yeah, you have the most valuable asset in the league. And you can literally teabag another owner <laughs> and get whatever you want.
1: <laughs> but I thought we were done talking about politics.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you can also do that with the tight end position. I mean, the tight end position, if you if there's two guys you think that are great, you know, and, and it's in rounds 8 or 10, you know, grab two of them. Like we know we say it provides you a little less, you know, positional flexibility that you need it more for the, t- you know, wide receivers and running backs. But, that's, but at, some, that, point, that's at, that's at some point two top yeah, tier they're, guys, at some point, yeah. They're top tier guys and you could trade top tier guys. Like somebody's going to if they're not getting these top tier guys, Somebody's getting up drafting Kyle Rudolph, and then you've got you know, Antonio Gates who's performing after the suspension, and then you can trade you know, Antonio Gates and a package of you know Chris Ivory and another receiver like a Jordan Matthews who's got some upside but's been underperforming. You can get you know with DeAndre Hopkins, mm. you can get these big three for one trades when somebody needs to fill out their roster. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of times with trades, especially people, there's leagues that just don't trade, or uh, people. Fuck you! People I don't, don't want to be in your league.
2: You fucking well, people suck.
4: Yeah. One. <laughs> that's why you know I think having the pyro league where we're opening up to listeners where people really want to play and are into it. That's going to be a cool thing. Um, but not only should you float those offers when you need a guy, you should also be floating those offers. Look and see other people's rosters and see who they have because if they have a guy that crap the batter's doing terrible, you know they're going to be needing it. Maybe they didn't even. Maybe it didn't even occur to you. float offers. So float offers not only when you need it, but look for the other players who are in desperate situations when they need it. That's when you can swoop in and take and, advantage.
3: And not only that, the reason why a lot of people don't make trades like in, in these Yahoo or CBS leagues, you have these things where you can put out. your on the block, or yeah, who you have I think on your that's team. Sufficient. That doesn't do anything. You're going to get the one person who's active, who's looking at it, and looks at your roster and goes, "Okay, I don't need any of your guys. I'm not going to call you." You have to do your due diligence if you want to make a trade. Yep. Because if you're in a 12-team league, no matter what, there's probably already four teams that you cannot trade with. But there are probably three teams that, meh, maybe, but there are going to be two to three or four absolute <clears throat> trade partners. It's on your, it's on you to be the one to seek them out, Yep. To, the to, offers. To, to start putting the, the, the thing in their mind. Because how many times do you see trades happen in leagues? I see this all the time where someone's like, I can't believe he just traded for that. I would have given him this. Well, then why didn't you offer him anything? Yeah,
2: yeah. You know? That's on you. The thing is, with trades, it's like, who didn't you? I look at your roster. Yeah. I see that you need running backs. Mm-hmm. I've got running backs. Yep. I traded my surplus for my deficiency. Boom. We're perfect trade partners. But if I don't look at your team... How the fuck am I supposed to do that? Exactly. And people don't do that enough. Right. It, and it, 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 it's real bad roster management. Because they're, like me and you have made trades mm-hmm. in, in the pyro leagues before. Where it's like, I won the league because of this trade that we made. Where it was just be, because the holes were just there. Yeah. Like It matched up perfect. Like This for this, and that's it. Like I'm giving you your greatest... You know, weakness for my greatest weakness, and we're just doing it. And it's per and like you think it gives you the best chance to win the right. league. I think it gives me the best chance to win the league, and that's it. And if and the people who veto. Trades because they think they think it makes one two one team too strong. Suck my fat cock. Uh, the other thing is too, it's like when, when you say that too.
3: I appreciate if you're offering me a trade and you've looked at it and you know that my roster and said, look, I see that you're hurting here. I have this depth here. I can. I think this makes sense for the both of us. Then at least is uh, you know versus the other assholes that are out there. Go. Oh, they want to offer me in a keeper league. You're offering me seven guys for one guy, which means that I can't even keep any of these guys anyway. So basically.
1: What are you offering me? And I, it, it's just every league's totally. got it. The trader traders, like really, like why are you wasting both of our time? And it's again and again. It's always the same guy. I'm always about give value, get value, making your team better. My obviously, I think I want to win on that trade, but at the same time. That trade you made, it could have easily gone the opposite way, and it could have been Houdini victorious, and he makes it. And you're like, you know what? It was still the best thing. How many douche team. guys Amen. win? How many douche guys win?
4: They don't win. Not many on <laughs> trades. And that's the thing we say all the time. You know, fantasy is a four leg table, right? You got the draft, setting your waiver or setting your lineups, uh, approaching the waiver wire, and trading. And that's the one that gets overlooked the most. And I think it's because kind of like what we were talking about. People only look to make offers when they need it. It's all about them. They don't shop around and see what the other situations are of the owner, other owners. That's when you should be looking to make trades and float the idea that they may never have even thought of. Then, my gosh, it's just so much more fun when you're active and you're in it and trading. That's the cool thing. That's fun.
2: It's like being a lover. You gotta be giving. (laughs) (laughs) Well, said what you've been told, you know, <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> hey, another thing, do we, need, do we need to consult your fiance or your wife? Like, go for it. I, I'm a giving person. I okay, so it. why you busting on me for saying <laughs> me? <You laughs> don't,
4: don't
1: consult my wife. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I'll say also about trades is, is, is that that's worked a couple times for me, and it's backfired big time as well. And that's what trades are about. Don't be a, don't be a chicken shit. And not <laughs> not go for it. But sometimes. You got to make a trade to swing a different trade. Yeah. If you see an opportunity to make an all right trade for you, but you can eye another or you know another guy covets a player. I did it once on a trade with uh, Calvin Johnson and, and Aaron Rodgers, and then I, or I, I, I and then I moved it to another one and got Calvin Johnson. Sorry, convoluted, but. Uh, Nothing wrong with making a couple two-team trades and making a move and then swinging it if you think it works and you know a guy that another player in your league covets. And the only way you can do that is by having trade conversations that are realistic and work instead of being ridiculous with multiple owners. Because then you would be like, oh, this guy really wants him and him. I can do this and this. And then, wow, I've got these two players. Booyah.
3: I'm winning. You're in a league and you're going to be, hopefully, in that league for a long period of time. You're setting your own reputation. If you're going to be the person that offers all of the crap, want to know what? Maybe you're starting to offer some better trades, but you know what? No one's listening to you anymore because they're like, uh, like at my league, Boy, I'm going to call the guy up.
5: Yeah, uh, it's another
3: yes. Fender or Wally offer. Oh, great, Fender's <laughs> offering me all this crap. Oh, Wally's offering me complete garbage. What's new?
1: Boy, cried you know? wolf. Well, that's yeah. a great, great, great way to put it. It's true. I, I mean, and then there's we like, all have three people I, in our leagues that do always. this, and they never. Get trade ops.
2: Yeah. One thing you can do is if there's a trade that is rejected in your league, butt your fucking way in there. Try to see what happened in this trade that people didn't like. And then, hey, he's getting a running back that makes him better. See if you can swindle that same running back in exchange for another one of your lower level... Like, you can swindle people after a veto. Veto suck, though. I, I, I hate vetoes. Hey. But if, if they exist in your league... You can assert yourself in a veto and, and just sort of, well, if you give me this, I'll give you that, and then there's three of us on this side of the trade. We all think we're winning the trade. Why is everybody else going to veto it if we can all explain our points for why we want this trade to go down? No, I, And that's the whole thing, too. To me, the only reason why you
3: veto a trade is if you believe there's some sort of collusion or it's just, it is so ridiculously off-balanced, like... We had one year where it was like, you know, my league with the, these supplemental drafts. You don't have these pickups. And someone traded. It was when Tony Romo and Brett Favre in 2007 were both having, like, the most ridiculous seasons in the world. And Romo, I think at the time, uh, got traded. He was the second-highest-scoring quarterback in the league and was traded for two supplemental draft picks. Like, a first and a second-round pick. Like, these are... Of all the players, you have 12 teams that each have 18 guys on their teams, and these are the people that are available. Who do and you are that?
1: The... You're sounding like a vetoer. Well, no, no.
3: And I, <laughs> and I said, that was like the only reason where I was like, but, but even then, I was a commissioner of the league, and I said, people are like, well, this is crazy. I like, go, well, it sounds odd. Let me talk to the guy who accepted the trade. And I just said, why don't you just tell me what your rationale is? And he told me his rationale. I said, Okay. I can't veto it then. I mean, you're not like you're sitting here and it's 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 a deal. I'm making a deal with you to give yeah. you this guy so we can split the money later. You're going to be set to oh, win. That's I collusion. will fucking stab a person. Yes. If I ever heard about some collusion, but that's collusion. That's and that's the ultimate, effing no no. One time, one no time, time t- I was
1: in a league where a, where a, uh, a half ounce was involved in a collusion trade. The guy just needed weed. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll get i this, and there was a half ounce involved. It's Like Jesus Christ.
4: Right, and that's the only time I think it should be even considered to veto is collusion. And personally, I think it should be like you said, I don't think other owners should have the power to veto. I think the commissioner should be the only one to do it, and only, obviously, if they think something's going on, or if, like you said, another owner brings it to your attention and says, hey, I know I don't have veto power because you're the commissioner, you should be the only one to have it. However, this is what I feel is going on. And then you as the commissioner consult the other players. There's nothing worse than some smart-headed dude who thinks they know best. The, oh, this trade is unfair. Who are you to tell me that a trade is unfair? I always believe I know more than everybody else in my league. So yep. who are you to tell me what I'm
2: doing? I know who you, you are. You know who has the ultimate veto power? Val And I am I'm you,
0: my I'm king. Not. Oh, little Reverb. I don't know about
1: you guys, but I've got about three people that are commissioners that text me all the time and are like, "Hey, I got a I got a situation here. What do you think? What do you think?" I'm not a commissioner in any of my leagues, but like I am a sounding board for a couple of those leagues where the commissioner gets to make the call and he's like, "Here's what happened," and I'm like, "I'll get the information and I'll give my two cents." Not like I'm making the call, but he'll he's getting a couple of outside yeah. resources on it. Um, you know you Got what, something, and then I, want, I yeah. want to do something. Sounds like quickly. a second
3: opinion. Well, no, yeah. Yeah. That, to that
1: yeah. point, though, usually what it is is He's these, a pyro pro the bro.
3: people that are that are contacting you that are that are bringing this up. It's usually sour grapes because they're going, "I would have traded for this guy. I would have given him this, 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 and this." Oh. Well, just because you were to give were willing to give him more, but he decided to go somewhere else to make a trade. Boom. Was,
2: then they, they veto, and then they offer a different trade that they would have made, and then they get the guy that you just had, and you are like, really?
1: the most annoying thing ever. I I would have given him more. Well, guess what, fuckface? You didn't.
3: I cannot tell you also how many trades on the face of it where people go, oh my God, this is a completely lopsided trade, and then the season plays out, and you want to know what? You were wrong. That person made a great trade.
1: I've I've got a guy in my oldest league... Bradley Waxman, he was a member of Pyro in the very beginning, the Rain Man. He, does, he trades wholesale his team. The team he drafts and the team he has at the end, every year is totally different. And the whole time you're like, what the? Is he just bored? But you just look at the end and you're like, this guy's a fucking genius. I'll give you an example. <laughs> in, in, uh, in, in my league this year, so uh,
3: Charlie Don't Surf, uh, him and my buddy Josh, they own a team. They had Marshawn Lynch who they drafted in the first round. Who we have our waiver wire started in week three only that was our first chance to to make pickups. Dion Lewis was available. They were sitting there. They talked to the guy who had the first pick, and they offered him Marshawn Lynch, their number one pick for that supplemental first supplemental pick. And I'm going and I'm and I'm looking at it and I go you know and on face value you would normally say oh you got to beat all that. I'm like what a shrewd move that was and had Dion Lewis not gotten hurt. The amount of points that he, that he, and he still outscored Marshawn Lynch, but the amount of points that he would have outscored Marshawn Lynch on the whole season would have been astronomical.
1: Yeah, or what Dan, if? They, or yeah, what Dan. If take, hold it Dan Nguyen. Just remember, if Dion Lewis hadn't gotten hurt, the the Goof Fathers would have won the Pyro League.
2: Or if Arian Foster didn't get hurt, like we were stacked for a while there. <sighs> we made some shrewd trades. We just didn't have enough depth at the end. Like it's true. Uh, Shit happens. Shit happens.
1: One quick thing that I want to bring up as far as uh, drafting that I think is important and it's paid off for me in one instance but something to consider. If you're in a keeper league and you're drafting and you're down in the depths of your rounds a guy like Jordy Nelson goes down and he's not a keeper draft him late because then you can get a Jordy Nelson. You want to know three players that you could have done this with this year. Jordy Nelson, Josh Gordon, Calvin Benjamin. You could have gotten all these guys in your eighteen through twenty fourth round right no, now. And but no but you, but I'm in leagues where you, you have to draft a guy to keep yeah, it. Yeah, but here's okay. the other thing. As a commissioner, no.
3: Guys that get IR'd before our draft, you cannot draft them this year in a keeper league. Those guys are going to be free agents next year because that type of stuff happens all the time. Like if we have auction leagues too, oh, someone's like, at the end, oh, gonna Jordan, he's Jordan on Nelson, IR. He's out bucks. for the year. Four bucks on Jordy Nelson. No. He is off the board. You cannot draft those guys. I can see and that, in that an if, an you're, auction if you're league, a commissioner, no, a no, Even in a keeper league, really? it's a draft league. If you're a keeper league in a draft league, the guy's on IR. Out for the year. Fair no off. chance of comeback. Now, if he's on, if he's on the... IR with the potential to come back off, the, or on the pup list with the potential to come back off, that's still totally available. Awesome story, yeah. But if he has been ruled out, deemed out for the season as a commissioner, it is your responsibility to make sure that that does not happen, because all that's going to do is create controversy, and people are going to be arguing with each other, and you're going to have a lot more hassle on your head than you want.
1: I agree with that, but to use your coin adage, okay. know your league. Damn right, damn right. If your league, know allows,
0: your league. Doug
1: Rodman. <laughs> if you are allowed to do it, this is a shrewd and genius move. Last pick in any draft, Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon's asking to get reinstated. Twenty third, 22nd round pick. Alright, I'll use my 20th round draft pick next year to have Josh Gordon on my team.
2: I've said it all along. Yeah. <laughs> i said it all along. I just like it, uh, Cause I'm Josh Gordon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Any other uh, things we want to go through, or I mean, I, think I could I could do this all day. Yeah, I could really <laughs> do this, this is, all day. This really is one of those podcasts that could just go forever.
0: Well, um, there ain't gonna be no stopping me. I'm gonna get you. to trust me. That I said that. You already got what you wanted here. <laughs> No stopping.
1: I'm, yes. I'm pretty excited to hear the... Uh,
3: you love to listen afterward when you can actually understand yeah, what
1: Macho's saying. That's true. But I'm excited that now you haven't really used any of the uh, Iron any, Sheik. The Iron yes. Sheik so revisit. And I don't know what Iron Sheik was able, What channel is able to say <laughs> some of the things you were playing before the show, but let's just hold off. Let's yeah. not do any Iron Sheik. Got <laughs> I'm, leaving them. I'm leaving them. I love it. Um, anything else you guys got that's draft or something that stood out?
4: Just to kind of no ed- rush. We, we can keep talking. I, I want this is some good goo. As I was uh, going back over the drafts I partook in the last season, just to give a little bit of a shout out to the Pyro Pro League and another reason for I think going running back home run swings later. David Johnson, Carlos Williams. Both taken in the Pyro League in the 15th round. Jimmy Zengel and Mike Sertel. Uh, some nice picks there. 15th round, David Johnson, Carlos Williams. In my
3: league, 12-team league, David Johnson and Devonta Freeman, 11th round picks.
1: Yeah. Wow, and that's high for David Johnson, which is a great, good pick. Obviously, that person knew what was going on. But that's the highest, 11th round, that's the highest I've ever yeah, him go.
2: signed Chris Johnson, they got Andre Ellington, they talk about him being the third guy. Like, you could have made a trade early in the season Like, I'll, I'll give you Calvin Johnson For David G- Johnson And you would have thought the guy was a complete idiot But then when it, when it came around to it Like, if that's that guy's Like, third or fourth best performing wide receiver the And best. he gets David Johnson well, like, here's the best That's part, a championship though. squad Guess guess what running back was taken Before Devonta
3: Freeman in the 11th round of this league And it, I'll, I'll give you a hint It was one of D-Rex's favorite preseason guys. Davis Yes! <laughs>
1: I hate that. Guy. Boom! <laughs> Boom! No! I hate that. Guy. Nailed! It. Two things. Just so you guys Would just so I can even offset get a piece of you.
0: I didn't even get a piece of him! <sighs>
1: <laughs> but, but, one, thing, one thing I wanna offset. You got something to say on, on na- that point? On Niall Davis? Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean Niall Davis was the clear handcuff to Jamal Charles yes. going into the draft. And then suddenly there's all these other guys And he's he's not, but that's the problem with going too heavy on handcuffs is yep. you've got to go for the right guy. Let me I mean, ask you this. Here's Ryan idea. Matthews. Everybody talked about Ryan Matthews being the best handcuffed in the league. And, yeah, he finished okay, but he, he but was, it was okay. But it was also a committee. But here's the
3: other thing I want to ask you about Niall Davis in particular. Because him as a handcuff. How many years has he been Jamal Charles' handcuffed? Two. So, you, you, I think it's more than that. It was no? like yeah, three? Yeah. This is third year in the league. It was Okay, so... So but, So my my question Two. is, you know, we've seen we've seen him do it with the you know the kickoff returns and we've seen like a couple big plays and things like that. But if you're a great running back and I granted you're playing behind Jamal Charles, so your 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 options are limited. But if you're that good,
2: you're going to get touches in the offense, right? So, but that was the thing going in. It's like can't wait to get Now Davis more touches this season. Andy Davis just slobbing on that dude's knob like. <laughs> It's like, oh I can't wait to get him more carries. Like we're in it, we're gonna spell Jamal more this season. Like they were giving us all the right signals, and then sh- suddenly Charizard West came out. And- well, I remember another <laughs> reason to listen
4: to, to Pyro. I remember uh, surfing um, the wait or uh, the teams. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The teams. Um, Death charts, and I saw before the Jamal Charles injury, I saw that uh, Charkandrick West had supplanted uh, Nile Davis. and I mentioned on the Player Life podcast before Jay Charles went down and said, Hey, if you are thinking Nile Davis is the handcuff guy, you might want to go out right now that, and pick up uh, Char West. So, another reason why we don't have lives, and just <laughs> so you can no, have lives.
1: No, I love it. One thing I will say again is take risks in a draft. Take risks. One of the things that we did in the Scott Fishbowl, one of the things I did in the league that I won, and it obviously paid off because when he went down, I think he was, a, he was definitely a top 10 running back, but round 21, Chris Johnson wasn't signed at that point. We know he wanted to be signed. He was a, a guy that's had 2,000 yards. He wasn't on Arizona when we were drafting, but let's be honest, that was a guy that was going to get signed. Take a chance. Other guys that went uh, in that Mark Sanchez went before him. After the Mike Chris Johnson pick was Nick Foles. Uh, you know, just take some chances if you see some of these opportunities on guys that aren't on teams but will be. It, 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 take them. Why not have that guy on your team? Another last thing I'm going to say about the draft, and and I'm done. I got it. I'm mic drop. Is everyone says don't. Wait till the last two rounds to grab your defenses and your kickers. I am so not on that train. It is ridiculous. I take I, I got Gosinkowski in every league that I'm in, including our pyro pyro pro league. I go early on him, and you just get the value there. Maybe your difference between Gosinkowski and the 12th one point. 12th kicker is <laughs> one point. I hear you there, but the friggin' guy—he gets it done, and it's not—it's not like you're—it's—it's it's so early where you're—you're—you're you're, you're defic- you're, you're, you're taking him over. Uh, real game changers. I'm all about going high on Uh Really, he's the only guy, um, and I'm also—I'm also down with going higher on a defense. I'll go with the Bills. I'll go with. The I Jazz.
3: completely disagree with you, especially on the defense, though. I'm more so on the kicker. Okay, but more but, so on the kicker. In my second to last round, the the tenth defense out of twelve taken, I got the Panthers. And it's because every year, for whatever reason, people have no idea how to gauge a defense. And they and they and they look at defenses and they go and they're thinking of, oh, well, Seattle, I have to grab them super early. And I love all you people that grabbing defenses in round 12. nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Five, five, even. All you're doing is giving me extra players, and you just cleared a full round of players that I can have an extra leg up on you to grab. And here's the other thing, I'm, and I'll, I'll pay attention to it because I'm, I, have, I have a, you know, where I trust my information on defenses to know who are the ones that are going to get the potential with the most sacks, turnovers, and, and you can't bank on touchdowns. But if you have a strong, you, you want the guys that are, that are forcing turnovers and getting sacks. That's where all, most of the points come from, and then the touchdowns will come on top of that and i find that it's amazing where i have my defenses ranked the top 10 there are people who are drafting defenses that i have ranked 15 through 18 uh, or lower and they're drafting all these guys in, in the round 13 or it sounds 14. Sounds like we're or
2: making Houdini do the defense and kickers. Uh. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not, the pickers, not the kickers, not the kickers. I drafted. I same tab, bro. I same tab, bro.
3: I drafted Josh Scobie with my kicker pick in the last That's round. That's
2: not bad. Well, because
1: <laughs> Boswell was good. Here's what, here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I'll tell you. The players you're taking when you're grabbing a defense, it's like a Sanu. Oh, I missed out on a Sanu. Fourth 11th round, David Johnson. It's a. Well, I'm not not taking a kicker in the 11th round. I'm talking like the last. Instead of taking it the last round, I'm taking it like the third or fourth to last round. I'm not taking the defense in the 11th round.
3: You could have had James Jones, you could have had Jameis Winston. Could have had Marcus Mariota.
2: The Seattle defense. had... Jordan
3: Reed in this league. There's there's players out there,
1: my friend. There are players. Well, out there. What round is that? Jordan? Fifteen. Okay. What and the, how many rounds are in that draft? Eighteen. Okay. So that I, I guess I'm in some bigger. Drafts, You're in 24
3: but, round drafts. Where, you well, can't wait till 20, the end of a 24, 20, 24 round draft. Okay. That yeah. that makes more but sense. I'm, if in do that the league. League.
1: Now I'm doing it. Austin Severian Jenkins, Sanu, uh, Roy Healy Jr. It's like. That's what I'm talking about. No, I don't
4: right, want to take them too early. I agree.
1: If you Those
4: don't guys play, don't you do not even draft. Exactly. But, but go well, ahead. Here's the thing I, I kind of like what you're saying, D Rex, that um, you're not going to go too early on it. But instead of taking kicker defense the last two rounds of your draft, maybe a couple rounds before the end. Because with me, when I make my
1: tears. Lead tiers, the charge.
4: Lead, be the
2: one that's the like, run. oh, start the run. run. Start the run. And don't fight. Well, why run. do we have to call them runs? It always just makes me so uncomfortable to say the word runs. (laughs) I don't know. Did you guys hear about uh, Houdini last night? I got
1: the apple squirts all week. Houdini, where did you take it to last night? In a bar. Why? Because you got the run. (laughs) I had a run on a run.
3: (laughs) I had nowhere to run to, baby, but the bathroom.
1: And it, was good,
3: and it was dangerous too because it was one of those ones that was like a double swinging door uh, that had no fucking lock on it.
1: What? What? Yeah.
3: Like, Don't go to the
4: piggery in Chicago like and respect your boss it. says, <laughs> baby, he was born to run. <laughs> so, in my uh, tiers, I'll often put in the ADP in there. And usually, my last couple picks are those flyer guys that chances are aren't going anyway. Maybe a Zach Zenner or uh, somebody that probably is not going to be taken in my league. So why wait for kicker and defense if I'm just going to have a guy that's not going to be taken anyway? So go a round right. or two early. A round or two early. That's about round it. A round
1: or two. great. round
4: or two early because I'm still going to be able to get those guys like x Center or whoever I've targeted to go as my flyer because usually those guys, I'm targeting them, and usually no one else is. So might as well get an early
2: grab, start the run. I mean, I agree, but if you're in like a 10 maybe a 12-team league, and it's just like 16 rounds, it's not too deep, just make sure you sort of stick to If you're Did in a pretty one. basic league, yeah. do, don't stray too much from the difference. Like, don't stray too much from the pack on that. But if it's, hey, if there's 14, 16 teams, like, the positional value in a 14-to-16-team league versus being in a 10-to-12-team league is... A lot. Man. Or yeah.
1: rounds, like you said, if you're doing 16 rounds versus 20 or 24, it's a totally different it's deal. It's totally
3: different. But, ball but I would say this though too, because the other defense that was overlooked this year, the two Super Bowl teams, both of these defenses were overlooked in all drafts. And the Broncos, no, Denver was not. Denver, I began, Denver was the highest. Uh, no, Denver, had Denver the highest was overlooked. ADP. Yeah. De- they were Denver the highest. Had the ADP? ADP. Highest ADP. Right, well, not in my league. Because in my league, I grabbed the Broncos. Here's one for, thing I'll say uh, in the league that was like that a three dollar in, in in an auction league. League that I, won. You, brother. Where, yeah, that I
1: won, week 13, I was able to pick up Kansas City Chiefs. There you go. People are dropping later. Right. And you look at the waiver wire. Look at who people are dropping. Kansas City Chiefs getting dropped later. And, and from week four
4: huge. to they week 15, upgrade. they were number one. Number yeah. one. Huge upgrade. According to 4 for 4, uh, again, this was right before the season started, Denver was the ninth defense taken. There you go. Carolina was the 10th. There you go. Down. And that was
3: me waiting till the end, grabbing both of those guys. That was and they were Ninth? ridiculous. And they they were Well, what are they Bills, were they were they
2: one and two at the end of the year? Buffalo Bills, I don't uh know what they New finished. York Jets were pretty highly drafted. Seattle was highly Seattle drafted. Seattle always. Yep. That's that's all I was like a I mean, people were still even drafting Texans. People geez. were still to Texans too.
4: Yeah, to finish the year, Denver was uh, number one.
2: Oh, by far, yeah. And they were. Carolina, really, they were very really good. Carolina four. four. Four.
4: So, but again, I'm saying, you know, like you said, Houdini, defense is very hard to predict, and it changes from year to year. You're not, not even one player. You're betting on the defensive scheme, the coach, the division they're in. Eleven guys yeah. coming yeah.
2: together. Defense. I this. bet more on strike the schedule. Where did, where
3: did Miami finish? Because they were a team that was yeah. a high vogue team that everybody wanted to get 20, Miami. Twenty-two. Defense. Twenty-one.
2: That was <laughs> no computer, by the way.
4: So <laughs> here's the thing, though. I like I like do what you're saying. Although Houdini, it is very hard to pick a defense. But that's where I like to put in. The ADP in, of the guys that are on my tier sheet, and I'm usually targeting a handful of guys, maybe two or three, that I know I'm going to want to gamble on as my last couple picks. And if I know that their ADP, those guys that I'm targeting, are beyond the amount of rounds we have, why not go for a defense and a kicker a couple rounds early because those guys are going to be there? And that's taking that—that's
1: two things folded. It's also taking that chance in that last couple rounds. You love a Zenner?
5: Yep. Screw it! He's
1: not going to get drafted. That doesn't mean I don't want to grab him. Grab him because why be the guy that when he does blow up in week three, you're number eight on the waiver wire and you can't get him. Yeah, get the guys you love. Yeah, it's it's
4: supposed to be fun, the fantasy, right? You want to have guys you like. And I've
1: been saying that for ages. Draft guy, and that's I love AP, but one one of the mistakes that I made in a couple leagues, I should have gone. I should have just grabbed Julio Jones He's my favorite player In the league mm-hmm. I love yeah. I AP He's one of my favorite Players too But just we, grab Grab your favorite player we He's lose gonna sight be a beast and,
4: It's fun yeah. You know We get so worked up In all this crap It's fun Cheer for the guys You want guys you like You want to watch Absolutely. It's fun You want to watch Don't the lose are doing
1: this That's
2: why I didn't Draft Brandon Marshall
1: Damn it <laughs>
2: <laughs> Him too Kickers <laughs> Kickers are actually more predictable than defenses. Mm -hmm. So why not move the kicker up around before the defense? Everybody drafting defense in fifteen and kicker in sixteen. Fucking flip the script to take one of the better kickers, Mm -hmm. which is more predictable, and then you know, take a crapshoot on defense. And I agree with that because, like, for many, many years when it was, uh,
3: you know, it was either it was Vanderjad or Vinatieri that were the two best kickers, I would always be the guy that would be around 13 or 14 <laughs> in a 16-team league. Take Vanderjad because it was, like, The 50, drunken kicker? The drunken kicker because 50-yard field goals were worth more. It was, like, all these different things. And then you're going, he's kicking in a dome. I will take that potential and take those points. Versus, and now you
2: got to think they're going for one every time instead of two, like, the right. Patriots. We thought about you know these teams that were going to go for two a lot. Yeah. Who was, did it well, the most?
3: They, wasn't the Steelers? Steelers. Because I had Josh Scobie. He missed a couple field goals in the, in the beginning of the year. They're like, they we're, we're not kicking
1: anymore. But, we're but, going to go three yeah, weeks in a row
3: until we get a new kicker, and we're going to go for two points but every single time. <laughs> how many times do they go for on um,
2: uh, uh, for two points? Eight. So, yeah, it's not much. What, yeah. What's every other
1: game? I didn't, And I, I was one of the people that thought it wasn't going to be that big of a move. I they, mean, I math, math,
2: sure. that's all bad math on one NFL thing, teams. One thing <laughs>
1: quickly, while we're talking about Indianapolis Colts uh, kickers. Sorry, hold on one second. Is, uh, uh Vinny Terry. Holy crap, did he have a terrible start oh. to the season. Yeah. He was a top three drafted kicker for the reasons that you said. Right. And was just terrible. The whole fantasy lexicon was for... For you the Colts, that. but then he's dropped, and then it, I'd say the second half, I'd say was probably top three kicker.
4: But with uh, the, the Pittsburgh scenario, it was a little weird. Scobie uh, maybe got in their head that he was so bad, because once they made the switch to Boswell, Boswell was great, he had over 90% uh Accuracy, but it was like they had it in their head that Scoby was so bad they, they were still going for two when Boswell was legitimately a, a great kicker. Only six guys had a higher percentage, but Pittsburgh's always had that problem. Ever since they moved to
3: Heinz Field, kickers can't kick there. They've always had problems there. Like the, the the percentage where like the, maybe the league average was at like eighty five or ninety percent or eighty eight percent. The kicking average in Heinz Field is like seventy seven percent, seventy eight percent. Uh, for whatever reason the way that they're off of the river there with the one one end zone is like it's much more difficult to kick on. So, and that's why they went after Scoby. They traded to get Scobie,
1: <laughs> And that did not work out. That did not work out. Fellas, I think that was an awesome uh awesome show. I think we got the best of all worlds. We got to review uh some great conference uh championship games. And then now you can see the kind of mold that we go into in the off-season, and it's a lot of strategy. It's a year-round process. We're telling you what you need to be doing now. While fresh tendrils in the back of your mind. What, what You've got to evaluate what you've done. I think Mo did a great job explaining why. You want to become a better person in any facet of life. You've got to evaluate what you are doing to do so. And that does not fall short of fantasy football. Think about what you were doing in your drafts. Think about what you were doing in your pickups. Think about what you were doing in your management and, the, and of your team. Like you said, the fourth arm on that table is trades. Think about it now while it's fresh, not after a summer of boozing and sun and, and, and thinking about all the new information that's going to be coming from the drafts and whatnot. Own it, manage, audit Figure out what you did for 2015-16 season. Now you'll be a better fantasy owner for it. I just want to say this.
3: How many? How long are we on this podcast at this point?
1: In time? Once the song, the closeout song is nine and a half minutes, so, so we'll, we'll be over be, three hours. We'll be over, th- 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 we'll be over three hours. One of the things
3: this is, what, p- listeners, you have to be. This is when you need to be most tuned into us. If you really want to hone your game, you really want to be yeah. prepared for next season. When we're in the regular season and we're doing our two and a half hour, two two forty five or three hour podcast, and we're covering all the games, that's one thing. And it's and it's still fun, but it's so much more fun for all of us when we're sitting here talking strategy, talking yeah. about all the different ways that we're, how sure. we're going to approach things. And, and we always have something to say on this. And, and there are so many things that you will learn if you stick with us through the off season. that you're going to be, if you are a novice and you just kind of rolled on to us, stick by us because by the time you get through our comprehensive uh, Uh, PhD course of fantasy football of our off season, you will be primed and ready to dominate your league next year.
1: And the best part about it as well is I listen to probably less podcasts than I know Stag Party and you do, but I've been listening to them more more and more lately and these are all, the ones that I do it's a bunch of agree-fests yes, I agree, I agree well said, I totally agree with what you said, that was a good point, I agree, I agree The Pyro Podcast is the exact opposite. We're not toting the company line. We're not. We don't have one agenda and one. We don't have a company line. We don't. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the beautiful thing for the for the audience. It is all of us have our own mind share and our own stake and our own approaches, and we feed and learn off each other and sometimes that really benefits like an Eifert and sometimes it doesn't like a Kaepernick or
3: sometimes it's like we sit here and we graded all of ourselves on where we were individually with all of our tiers and which one turned out to be the best the consensus yeah because that's what it is you don't just want to get all your information from one side we are giving you and again it's make it fun right Mo it's also make it your own so do you so don't try to do dogmatica, don't try to do stag party, don't try to do Houdini or d mode. Do you use us to help you develop who you are and what your your best way of
1: your approach is gonna be. It's amazing. Well said, let's shut it down. Mo, awesome to have you in the shy. I think we're gonna order probably some fucking deep dish pizza. And we're gonna talk some more uh, content pipeline for the off season. You are the man, and I just want to say it again. I've done it on many shows with you not here, and you've heard it. Uh, an amazing addition to the pyro mix over the last couple of years, and we appreciate it.
4: Hey, I would love hopping over the pond as it were coming to this side. And just to, uh, we, we talked about looking behind to look ahead on pyro light. I got some good interviews coming up. Uh, Will Carroll, who does a, an amazing job with talking about injuries and when guys should be back and should we expect a regression, should they uh, their forecast for next season based off their injury. He's really, really uh Eye-opening, uh, and I'm always learning stuff when I hear from them. We got Matt Harrison coming up from League Safe, and then I got Denny Carter. He's the other half with JJ Zacharyson doing the uh, streaming and uh, late-round quarterbacks. So we got some cool living stuff. The
2: stream podcast, living, yeah, the,
4: living the stream podcast. Yep, uh, so some cool stuff coming up in the future. And honestly, I enjoyed this one so much just because I was able to be lost in everyone's dreamy eyes. So it's <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. Awesome, man.
1: We love you, Pyro, so much. We're going to close out uh, this show with the Chemical Brothers. The private, psychedelic reel. This one's a real ripper.
2: And about 10 minutes long, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll never forgive myself, it's the worst day of my life!